Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to review all of the week 17 blood and sweat and tears that hopefully got you a fantasy championship. But if not, remember that feeling. Use as motivation 364 more days until the next one. But yeah, happy new year to you and happy new year to you, Dwayne The Rock McFarland. We're back, man. January 1st, 2024. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. What is this year four for us recording together? Or sounds right. I think it's year four. That first year, I think we only did like every other episode together back in the PFF days. But yeah, it's uh yeah, man, it's 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 nice to start another year with Ian Harditz and and yeah, like get the people motivated. Hope hopefully you guys uh brought home the championships. But if not, you know, we still got week 18 DFS. We've got uh, playoff best ball. So I'll try to talk some of those angles with these things. So I I focused a lot more. I'm halfway done writing the utilization report as we speak, but I've been focusing more time on the teams that I think are locked into playoff spots or battling for the playoffs. This is our year, Dwayne. Look, we missed a couple things this last year, okay? I'm going to stand <laughs> up and say that. I was not right about everything, but new year, new us. Let's get it done. So appreciate all you guys tuning in. And yeah, of course, we will have you know a slightly reduced podcast here and schedule now that we are effectively in the fantasy football offseason. But better believe, still going to be grinding out pretty much anything we can for you true grinders out there. So with that, guys, let's get it started. All the way back to Thursday, the Browns took down the Jets 37-20. to 20. Uh, obviously covering as seven point favorites the overcast here at 33 and a half so just uh joe flacco's world and we are all living in it Dwayne. no amari cooper no problem he has not ripped off qb 13 qb 6 qb 8 qb 3 and qb 4 finishes my man was literally falling asleep on the sideline he was so bored of just busting up one of the best secondaries in the entire nfl so i saw a uh you know classic Denny Carter tweet going a bit viral where he was just pointing out that this version of Joe Flacco is better than literally any version we saw in Baltimore. I don't know if I would go that far, different offenses, but just from a production standpoint, it really has been. I mean, we're talking about 323 passing yards per game. This dude never cleared even 280 during any other season during his career. So right now, Dwayne, like if Flacco just had this pace for 17 games, he would be throwing for 5,400 yards and 44 touchdowns. Dave Njoku now has four consecutive top four finishes at the position as well. Didn't exactly have Joe Flacco engineering one of the most productive uh, passing games in my range of outcomes for this year, Dwayne. So I'll watch the film and get better and try to figure out that more for the future. But my God, man, Joe Flacco, hats off to him. Yeah, and the thing is, like, he's getting better. Those first few weeks, we were like, okay, like, great. Like, the fantasy points came through, but all the other things were bad. Well, now he's starting to improve in all of those other areas. Like, and if you just look at his yards per attempt over the last three games, 8.8, 8.8, 10.7. You know what the number one correlated individual player stat is with wins in the NFL? It's passing yards per attempt. And Flacco's just been very efficient. You know, in those early games, Ian, it was all around, okay, let's drop back to throw the ball 45, you know, 50 times a game. This last weekend, he did it on efficiency. I mean, obviously, he didn't even really need to throw the ball after the first half, but only 30 dropbacks, still coming through with 24 fantasy points. And then his completion percentage in those first two games was a little rough, 52%, 58%. But now over the last three games, 64, 64, and 66. And that's what two of those games, him having an 8 out of 9.1 and 11.5. So continue to push the ball down the field. Um, and coming through, Ian, even whenever the you know some of his primary weapons are out. 
We've you know now seen it with Amari Cooper essentially twice because the first game you play with Amari, Amari had to leave that game early, didn't play in week 17, still came through with a big performance with, with just David and Joku. Got a little bit lucky on, on some of the stuff that happened with Jerome Ford. We'll talk about that you know, here in a minute, but the bottom line is he still did come through. So yeah, like if you're, if you're drafting fantasy best, if you're doing a uh, best ball playoff stuff, like, and you're trying to think about a team that could just be hot at the right time, like, man, Ian, like, is there a better team to call out than the Browns as, as a team that we probably didn't expect this from? We know they've got a good defense and now their offense is clicking. Like if you put Joe Flacco in the playoffs with Amari Cooper, healthy plus and Joku, We'll see what happens here with Elijah Moore. You know, he got knocked out of this game. I think you have a note on that. But man, like this, this, this could be one of the few teams that really is clicking, could be clicking on both sides of the ball. And it's not like he's just doing this against scrub defenses. I mean, yeah, obviously we all know the Jets, Sauce Gardner and company are really good. But even before that, Texans, Bears, Jaguars, Rams, no, not top five units. I understand that. But truly, you know, to your point, Dwayne, I remember after the first three weeks saying like, yeah, guys, this is fun. But literally had a worse EPA per dropback than Zach Wilson. My goodness, he has turned that around over these past two games. Literally, like no joke, playing the position better than pretty much anyone in the game right now, which is just madness. Awesome story what a time to be alive if he's going to be the comeback player of the year i do think that would be a great award side note i got a text from our fearless leader the goat himself matthew barry at about 7 45 last thursday looking for some outside opinions on maybe what to do about his quarterback position and i did not recommend joe flacco Dwayne. so if this is our last time podcasting together and if you guys don't hear from me ever again that is why so we will watch the film and get better on that one but yeah elijah moore also five catches 61 yards and a touchdown with no amari Cooper overall goodness going on in Cleveland over with the Jets really just Brees Hall is here to you know give a shout out to now the RB8 in PPR points per game this season behind only CMC Kyron Williams Alvin Kamara Raheem Mostert Devin Achan Travis Etienne and Jameer Gibbs and so much of this Dwayne has come from that sweet sweet passing upside I mean just in terms of receiving production and PPR points just from that this year CMC's at 10.3 Alvin Kamara's at 9.8 Brees Hall's at 9.7 man one half of a PPR point is separating CMC's per game receiving production from Brees Hall. If we get Aaron Rodgers back next year, playing at least like 90% of Aaron Rodgers, Dwayne, could be tough to keep Brees Hall out of the position's top five. Uh, it's going to be tough to keep him out of the top two, in my <laughs> opinion. I mean, I think you'll have some folks that will actually be pushing for Brees just because, you know, there will be the conversation around age with CMC. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll be able to get there just because CMC's profile is one of those that can continue to produce even as they age. Um, you know, we've talked about that before. Some of the and Alvin Kamara is living proof of that this year, right? If you can continue being effective in the receiving game, even if some of that efficiency you lose on the ground, you can still be very productive. But uh, Brees Hall, yeah, if if the Jets sign a good backup quarterback, we could actually have two Jets go in the first round of fantasy yeah. next year. Uh, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, you know, is the other name here. We had a wide receiver one season stolen from us, Ian. The only question was like how high of a wide receiver one season were we going to get out of one Garrett Wilson? I mean, this guy just continues to do it every single week. I mean, he had another 20, he had a 24% target share this weekend. He's sitting at a 30% target share on the season. It's really rare for a wide receiver to register that 30% mark. This is an elite young wide receiver. So Let's let's go get a backup quarterback, Jets, and uh, we'll all feel good about drafting Garrett Wilson again at the end of round one in fantasy drafts in 2024.
Garrett has managed to clear the 1,000-yard mark this season. 163 targets, Dwayne. Only Devontae Adams and CeeDee Lamb have more this year. I am with you on both of them being first-round picks here in 2024, just as long as we can get something okay there under center. All right, guys, moving along. We had the Cowboys take down the Lions 20-19 in a controversial Saturday night affair. Detroit did cover as four-and-a-half-point underdogs. The undercash here at 53-and-a-half. So I'll just say, Dwayne, like, it was terrible from the refs the entire football game. Yes, we all saw at the end when, you know, Taylor Decker, multiple offensive linemen went to go say that Decker was the one that should have been eligible to catch the pass. He did catch the pass and the refs decided to get in the way and blow the game. But my God, Dwayne, when the previous drive could have actually killed the game or at least put the Cowboys up two scores and they call a tripping penalty on Aiden, on, yeah. I'm sorry, Peyton Hendershot when it was literally Aiden Hutchinson that did it. I, I think both uh, fan bases have a pretty, a strong reason to be bitter so just throwing that out there but otherwise man just want to give a shout out to our DraftKings mvp of the week cd freaking lamb 13 catches 227 yards one touchdown Dwayne. he almost had a second one if he didn't fumble the ball through the end zone so everyone i know you hate this rule but Dwayne, instead of a safety, what if we just give the ball back to the offense at the one-yard line, right? Who cares, right? It's just fumbling the ball out of the end zone. It's just, you know, your own end zone. Who cares? It might as well be as important as any other area of the field. Miss me with it. It's a great rule. Deal with it. But, yeah, overall, man, just C.D. Lamb, 23 PPR points per game this year. Tyree Kill, he's only at 23.7. So, yes, this is incredible from both of them. We now only have five wide receivers in the last 10 years to average north of 23 PPR points per game. 2021 Cooper Cup, 2020 Devontae Adams, 2019 Michael Thomas, and now Tyreek and CeeDee Lamb. So, man, Dwayne, if you want to give Tyreek that edge next year, go ahead. If you want to put CeeDee Lamb as the overall wide receiver one, I think you got a good case to do so. Well, we've just got a great young you know, group of wide receivers. We're going to have Jamar Chase to talk about Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb. You know, I think it's just it's going to be tough to take some of the guys that are getting up there in age. Obviously, we've learned you you can't just push all of the older guys down too far. Tyreek Hill still obviously going to be worth a first round pick. But, yeah, there's a lot to think about with those players. But, yeah, Lamb is looking great, man. He's also got a 30 percent target share on the season. We just talked about that number for Garrett Wilson. And that's just kind of to bring a little bit more context to Garrett Wilson. Imagine Garrett Wilson playing with Dak Prescott. You would probably have another CD Lamb. I mean, that's what you would have. So we should be really excited about Lamb. A lot of good young uh, wide receivers to think about. Um, real quick on the Cowboys, uh, Jake Ferguson, you know, not coming through here in these last couple of games in the fantasy box score, but just letting folks know that, like, from a utilization perspective, nothing has really changed. He's still right there in targets. He's number two on the team behind CD Lamb. The last four games, he's had target shares of 21%, 23%, 21%, a little bit lower this last game, 16%, but you can't be over 20% every single game. But uh, the key is that route participation participation is there he plays in a very high uh volume passing game that has a lot of quality um, opportunity to score touchdowns so ferguson is a name that uh you know just continue believing in him it just was a little bit of a down week more annoying scoreless production out of Tony Pollard. Couldn't even hit 50 total yards despite having 17 touches. I mean, he is going to clear 300 touches after next week, Dwayne. And yeah, you know, has maybe he'll get to 1,300 total yards. He has five touchdowns, which is the same as Zeke. But if you just go through and say, like, who was the biggest fantasy disappointment in terms of not having an injury and just not getting it done, I do think Tony Pollard and probably Jerry Judy deserve to be nearer at the top. Pollard easily for me, yeah. just because you also had to spend in that second round pick on Pollard at least I mean Judy wasn't cheap round four round five depending on you know what where you were drafting but 
for me, I, I did draft a lot of both those players. I mean, we can talk about Judy in a minute as well, but man, Pollard, uh, everything about him was there. Yeah. We just maybe underestimated that injury. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. It's very rare to see a running back like their explosivism and, 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 and all of it just completely disappear. Ian, you know, and his targets per route run, this is a guy that's been over 20%. He is only, he's only at 17% this season. So not a factor in the passing game. And this is a team that really needs another option behind CD lamb. It's not like Brandon cooks or Michael Gallup or even Jake Ferguson are like just running away with everything. Ferguson's the clear number two, but there's room for another, you know, player to, to get involved and provide more in the passing game here. And, Pollard just hasn't been able to do it. So everything, to your point, really lined up perfectly for him. Um, the only thing I can think of is the injury, or he's just completely hit a cliff. I know one thing, he's not going to get a huge contract from anyone this offseason. So he's probably not going to be in any sort of role, anything close to what he had this year. And, and maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe we'll see him get healthy over the offseason, and he can go to another team and provide that passing down prowess. Who knows? Maybe the Cowboys keep him because the salary uh, you know, demands from Tony Pollard are going to have to come way down. I was going to say, Dwayne, this could be a situation because, again, we have the undisputed RB1 in a consensus top five scoring offense where if he ends up falling down into that round four, round five range because everyone's just that pissed off about what just happened this year, maybe we get back on the Pollard bandwagon at a far reduced cost in 2024. So, yeah, he did have the tightrope offseason surgery. It's just... Man, Dwayne, like we talked about it. It wasn't like it came into August and we were like, oh my gosh, Pollard got hurt last year. Like, who would have thought? Yeah. We we're aware of it. I mean, this is an injury where like Brock Bowers and Mecca Buka, like college players, have had the surgery in the season and then returned a few weeks later. So, hey, I will, uh, you know, watch the film and also watch, uh, you know, more doctor's videos to try to get better at <laughs> that. But again, shout out to CeeDee Lamb, our DraftKings MVP of the week. Over on the Lions side of the ball, just the usual characters, except Jameer Gibbs had a down week here otherwise though absolutely killing it david montgomery 65 yards and a tutty the sun god had 90 yards and a touchdown sam laporta seven catches for 84 yards montgomery and gibbs as the rb12 and rb7 in ppr points per game one more week to join alvin kamara and mark ingram as the only teammates to both post top 12 numbers over the past decade sun god joins keenan cd and tyreek as the only guys averaging north of 20 ppr points per game this year and at tight end guys it's kelsey and hawkinson at four 14.6 PPR points per game. Sam Laporta just at 14.1. So, Dwayne, look, not every single rookie tight end killed it. I drafted some Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave teams. That didn't exactly work out. Musgrave more so for injury. I get it. But just Laporta, the talent, whether you want to say this is a changing of the guard in terms of younger tight ends rising up, which, you know, there's an argument there for that. Don't get me wrong. But just Laporta, the talent, man. We're going to have Trey McBride in that conversation as well. But we're going to hear some Sam Laporta overall tight end one conversations. And I don't think they're that asinine. No, I don't think they are either. I think it's fine. I think he's, uh, you know, I think you could make an argument that he's a lock to be in the top three, Oh yeah, but I don't see a way he's out. I don't see a way that he's outside the top five. Some of that depends on how you're going to feel about Trey McBride, Mark Andrews coming back. The good news is the tight end, the tight end class is getting deeper and we'll have a We have a little bit of good news that we can talk about it later with a Dalton Kincaid. But the big thing is like over the last 15 years, when these young tight ends that have been high end target earners in college, which Sam Laporta was walk into a situation where there's literally no one in front of them on the depth chart. And when we say no one, we're talking about a player like Brock, Wright. Yeah. Austin Hooper is not no one. Austin Hooper is actually a perfect example of the type of tight end that can derail a rookie season. Like mm -hmm. Michael Mayer. It just seems to take time. Not to say Mayer won't eventually be good, 
but it's just a factor that we've seen play a role. For these guys that have walked in and gotten the role right away, Sam Laporta, Evan Ingram, Kyle Pitts, all have been top 12 fantasy tight ends in their rookie year. Honestly, Dawson Knox, like we saw Kincaid have an awesome stretch without him, but I think Knox helped prove that he could be he's a, a perfect guy to example of yes. In the way. Even um even though that? he's not great, Dawson Knox is not like a high-end targeter or anything, right. but he's enough. And because we know that playing the position in the NFL is so much more than catching passes, mm -hmm. that that's what we have to concede. Yes, we just want the fantasy points, but we need a path for them to just get on the field because there's obviously there's strength conditioning, there's all sorts of things that go on to playing like the total package of what you need to play in the NFL. Now, when the, when it's just wide open, there's nothing else better to put out there. These guys get forced into those roles. And then we just, all we see is their receiving prowess. I'm sure they're getting coached up every week, you know, behind the scenes on their blocking and all those other things. And Laporte has done some nice things like for his size in that department. But as long as we have a, a high end guy, like let's say, because we're going to be talking about Brock Bowers this off season. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're gonna have to see, you know, where he lands. But if he lands somewhere with another good tight end, like we have to be wary of that situation. If he lands somewhere where it's just him, then that's great. Like we'll be super excited about it. Again, I remember the Bills, you know, 2.5, uh, you know, tight end personnel was basically, I think, yeah. what they were trying to do with it. Not quite at 11, but yeah. And hey, we have seen Kincaid have some good games with and without Knox. But again, when you have two tight ends in the modern NFL, very tough for even one of them to become an overly fancy relevant factor. Moving on to Sunday games, guys. Bills took down the Patriots 27-21. New England did cover as 14.5-point dogs. The over did cash here at 40. So this is a really ugly game. This was Josh Allen's fifth worst passing performance of his career in terms of total fantasy points generated. And accordingly, Dwayne, we got to sit here again and explain away a Stephon Diggs dud. So this one did actually have, I believe, was going to be a 90-yard house call. Sadly, Josh Allen did overthrow it. And again, I love watching these like replays because sometimes I'm like, all right, you know, I think he had a couple steps there, but I'm just, you know, a dude sitting on my couch. And last, you know, yesterday I happened to be drinking a couple beers, which was fantastic. Happy New Year's Eve, everyone. But I love Dwayne when you see the miss, you see the sheesh, and then they cut back to the quarterback and it's just complete devastation with his hands on his head. It's like, all right, that's when I'm cementing that as definitely what should have been a better ball. So, it sucks. I know that target share and, you know, overall usage isn't going to get you guys any fantasy points for Stefan Diggs. But man, Dwayne, like does this second half performance of 2023 really give you cause for concern with Diggs? I mean, I will say he isn't exactly someone that's been running past guys his entire career. So on the one hand, I do think that maybe he could age more gracefully like a Keenan Allen, even though they're, you know, kind of around the similar age point. But <sighs> They missed him last week. I will say, man, it's not like Diggs has been running around out there every single week. Like, oh my God, this is a top five wide receiver talent at this point in time. And in 2023, it'll just be interesting. We've seen this Bills front office really refrain from ad adding too much competition in the wide receiver room. So if we enter 2024 with Diggs once again as the undisputed wide receiver one, it's going to be tough to keep him out of the top 12, maybe down to wide receiver 15. But any lower than that, Dwayne, would just be difficult again under the assumption that's once again digs and everyone else in this wide receiver room yeah i mean he's still doing his part i mean he had a 25 percent target share um despite only being out there for 76 percent of the routes 27 percent targets per route run like the big change here we talked about it last week um you know the bills are just more willing to lean into their run game if you look at their drop back rate over expectation um over the last three games ian minus 12 percent Minus 10%, minus 16, and minus 9 this weekend against the Patriots. So they're just not dropping back to throw the ball near as much. And the other big issue here is, honestly, Josh Allen. 
Yeah. You know, Josh Allen, um, he's still scoring fantasy points for you. If you're a fantasy manager, he's been fine because he's he's running the ball in. But the dude's only completed 57% of his passes since Joe Brady took over the offense. It was 70% over the first 10 games. So it's a 13 percentage drop off. Now, we typically see some drop off for these guys that play in colder weather as the season goes on, winds pick up. You're going to get like some natural um, degradation like of completion percentage, but that's really drastic to see that. And not every game is played in Buffalo or in the cold weather. So I'm not sure what's going on with Josh Allen. Um, I'm not sure if it's to do with the offense, uh, uh, you know, something that's an adjustment that defenses have made. Is he injured? And we don't really know. We know at the end of this game, you know, that he, he appeared to be injured. He said he's going to be fine afterwards, but I, I don't know for sure what's going on with Josh Allen, but it's, it's just the perfect cocktail to really tank a guy like Stefan Diggs at the worst time for fantasy managers. Uh, but as far as I can tell, Stefan Diggs is fine. Like, I mean, he's doing his part, but right now there's just too many other factors that are really hurting him. So I, I hope we get a discount on Stefan Diggs next year. I think you got to start discounting him a little bit anyway, because he's right. going to be 31 next season. So you, he is at the age where the cliff can happen at any moment. I'm typically with a receiver like him, to your point, Ian, it is later when it happens. I think Stefan Diggs is a guy that, you know, will be more along the lines of a Keenan Allen. Uh, maybe we get to see, Good production from him until 33, 34 years old. But there's no reason to be taking him anywhere close to like so many of the other young guys that we know play with good quarterbacks in the early first round. Be nice to see a, you know, more of a full-time transition to the slot so we can maybe start getting, you know, some of those later career Adam Thielen, uh, Anquan Bolt, Anquan Bolton was always there. Who's the other guy? Larry Fitzgerald. That's who I was Larry thinking Fitz, of, yeah. uh, that we've been Reggie shopping Wayne. out there. So, yeah, so, hey, again, not trying to completely shit on Stefan Diggs. I see what you're saying, but. You know, Dwayne, we had so many, again, early 30s wide receivers just tell the age cliff to go piss off this season. Maybe they all do it again next year, but I still do think we got to have at least a wary eye on that age number creeping up, which to your point, we will have to downgrade anyway from there. But as you also brought up, Josh Allen keeps on keeping on just fine. Thanks to that sweet, sweet rushing upside. 15. 15 Dwayne rushing touchdowns this year now for Josh Allen. That number just crept up on us. And when you look at it, man, I've always, you know, known how great Josh is as a runner, but he really does have the same sort of just freakish fantasy goal line upside as Jalen Hurts. And literally nobody else at the position has it. I mean, we're talking about quarterback. Most rush attempts inside the five-yard line this year. There's Jalen Hurts at number one at 16. Josh Allen's number two at 14. Nobody else is over even five. Like we're talking about Fields, Jackson, Herbert, and Mahomes all the way down there with nine fewer than Josh Allen. So already looking, you know, Dwayne, some of us sickos out there have already gotten, you know, the big boards and some potential, uh, you know, ADP going for 2024 drafts. But I really do think more than ever, it's becoming Hertz and Allen and everyone else. And given all the, you know, career success Allen's had, just more so over Hertz at this point in the passing uh, production department, I do think Allen's certainly deserving of being the Q be one going into 2024 um otherwise on the patriots yeah 32nd ranked scoring offense uh they were actually 17th last year so i know we like to shit on matt patricia all the time but maybe bill o'brien now actually deserves to be shit on more there if you're wondering how the bailey zappy experiment is going he has a 76.8 passer rating that is 39th mac jones is at 77 which is 38 so i'm pretty sure they are both bad which makes sense they look very much alike so i think the only uh, other thing here joining us to actually talk about that Bill's tight end usage. I saw from, I believe, Dr. Jesse Morse that he thought Dawson Knox might be in the concussion protocol. We'll keep an eye on that because if so, you know, that could tell us that, yeah, Kincaid's going to get featured. And if not, that means that maybe Kincaid just took the job back over. 
Yeah, so I did check in on Knox to see what happened. He did play late in the game. So okay. he, he did leave to be evaluated for concussion, but he played. Uh, he finished the game. And also, Kincaid was leading the way early in the game as well with a high route participation. Now, again, like I think we have to be careful with this. I don't think there's any way for us to honestly predict what the mm -hmm. Bills are going to do with their tight ends because we've seen with Dawson Knox healthy, we've seen a couple of games like this already from Kincaid, and then it just returned back to being really more of a 50-50 or 60-40 split for Kincaid. But at least they have shown us now, Ian, that there are certain game scripts or matchups, if you will, where they want to get Kincaid more involved and they want him to be one of the primary options in the passing game, which he was this last weekend. We actually saw him with some of his, well, these were, were by far his highest marks since Dawson Knox returned. He had a 79% route participation and he had a 25% target share, 13 fantasy points, tight end seven on the weekend. Guys, moving along now, we had the Chicago Bears take down the Falcons 37 to 17. Bears covered as two and a half point favorites. The over did clear at a lowly 39. So nice performance from Justin Fields, managed to find the end zone as a rusher and also threw for 268 through the air without an interception or a lost fumble to his name. So good stuff there. He has really been hot here since returning from injury. That said, hasn't exactly been the most explosive offensive performance. Since returning to the field, the Bears offense ranks just 19th in EPA per play, 23rd in yards per play. So, yes, I do think that Fields continues to be underappreciated as a passer. I mean, if you just look at yards per attempt, he's at 6.8. Justin Herbert's at 6.9. And they're just a completion percentage is within a you know half a percent of each other. And obviously, Herbert isn't doing what Fields can do on the ground. So, I know it's not one for one. We have Fields taking more sacks. But when you just consider the improvements he's made as a passer with the freaking ridiculous rushing upside, certainly do think that Fields will be a star quarterback and once again a high-end fantasy QB one in 2024 even if that is not with Chicago so I wouldn't even blame the Bears necessarily Dwayne for going ahead and taking a Caleb Williams or a Drake May because I do think if there's one thing we're seeing like okay if you have your Mahomes you have your Burrow your Lamar whoever you want to say yeah pay them their ridiculous money but when you start looking at the quarterback contracts here like if Daniel Jones is getting 40 million a year if Derek Carr is getting 37.5 million per year Tannehill's down there at 29.5. Justin Fields is going to fetch a contract around that area. And the Bears do have the opportunity to kind of reset their clock, get that rookie quarterback with their, you know, different coaches and stuff that obviously didn't bring Fields in in the first place. So we'll see what happens there. They have cemented the uh, number one overall pick after, you know, getting that from the Panthers. So either way, you know, should have some optimism there for Chicago faithful, especially with DJ Moore absolutely being freed now up to 1,300 yards on the season, eight touchdowns, 159 and a touchdown here in week 17 to hopefully help bring you guys home that fantasy championship. So really, Dwayne, the big news here in terms of just usage goes to the backfield. Deontay Foreman, a healthy scratch after looking like the potential RB1 just a few short weeks ago, ended up giving us another great performance from Khalil Herbert. That said, Dwayne, Roshan Johnson wasn't exactly an afterthought either. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on Justin Fields, man, I, I just I hope he leaves Chicago at this point. I do think with the right coordinator, or I, I think they're going to move off from their coaching staff, but in the right scheme, I really think that Fields could still be good, especially for fantasy. And not that we need anyone to tell us that. He's averaging 21 points per game since he's come back from the injury. He's got three top three or uh, top five finishes over that. No, three top three finishes 
in those five games. So that ceiling is obviously there. A little bit of a floor issue with Fields, but you know he's always still going to come through with some rushing yards because, man, he gets 22% of the design attempts, and he has a 9% scramble rate. So I, I do think that Fields in the right scheme with the right coach could still be an absolute nightmare for defensive coordinators to have to worry about every single week. And then, yeah, to your point with the backfield, we have Khalil Herbert uh, in his second game without Deontay Foreman. Again, taking over that lead role. Like you mentioned, Roshan Johnson was definitely not forgotten here, but Fields in two games now without Foreman, he's got 56% of the rushing attempts and an 8% target share. Now the long down and distance work, 87% and two-minute offense, 100% of those snaps went to Roshan Johnson. He's also stealing a lot of the carries inside the five. So Herbert's a little bit shaky here, Ian. You need the right kind of game script. He's that what you call that volume-dependent running back two. And the right game script, you're going to get a mid-range running back two finish from Khalil Herbert. If he scores a touchdown, he's giving you a running back one performance. That's really been the case for the last two weeks. He's been right around 20 fantasy points per game. But if they get in a situation where they're suddenly having to trail, you're going to see more Roshan Johnson. And Khalil Herbert does have that uh, potential to come out and give you that five, six, seven-point dud because he's not involved in the passing game. Last point over here with the Falcons, really very limited offense. We had Heineke and Ritter combined to throw four interceptions. Really, the only big play was a 75-yard house call by the Falcons. Just awesome young running back. Speaking of Tyler Algier, of course, there. And that does bring me to my point with Bijan Robinson Drain. As much as we do love the shed and Arthur Smith, the guy does have 254 touches this year. I mean, Brees is at 259. Yeah, it'd be a lot cooler if it started with a three. I understand that. But if you do look at it, Tyler Algier comes in in these short yardage situations. Bijan, he's 29th, you know, in first down touchdown rate with three or fewer yards to go. He's 12th in rushing yards over expected this year. That's good. Have you watched Bijan Robinson this year, Dwayne? And we're going to cut out the uh, overhead camera views because let's be honest, those make anyone look absolutely fantastic. And they just happen to feature Bijan most of the time. But do you think Bijan is still like a top three running back talent in the NFL? Like what have we seen from Bijan this year other than draft capital that tells us he is actually better than Jameer Gibbs? Because, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to find many metrics that actually do say that. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about Gibbs potentially being the better guy anyway, um, just because of how good he is in the passing game. That was going to be a, you know, a major out for him against Bijan. But yeah, I think that Bijan's still a top five, top six talent, and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he was the best running back in the NFL next year. You know how these efficiency things are, Ian. Like he's been good enough that I still feel really good about him. Um, has it been everything that we hope? No, not from utilization perspective or from an efficiency perspective. But something that's very you know you know like encouraging to me is the fact that you know he's got a nearly a twenty percent targets per route run. He's got a sixteen percent target share on the season. They do seem to really trust him in the passing game. So we know that that can often be the hardest nut to crack to become valuable in that aspect of the game. I still think Bijan's explosive. We just need more of the early down work. Yeah. And if that ever unlocks, what eventually it will, he's eventually going to be in a full-time role. I think with Bijan, as long as that happens, like in the next two to three seasons, while he's still young, I think you're going to have a really good chance to have a top three running back on your hands. And again, his numbers are really good. I mentioned it, 12th in rushing yards over expected. If you look at his missed tackles force, yards after contact, he's up there with guys like Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, James Conner, Khalil Herbert. That's a good group. But guys, if nothing changes in Atlanta, we have Arthur Smith coming back and Tyler Algier is still there. I'm going to be really hard pressed to be consistently spending a first or second round pick on a guy who at this point, I'm not convinced is that much freaking better than every other running back in the league to warrant having, again, this less than ideal usage. So plenty of time obviously in the offseason to continue going down that path 
Up next, we had the Colts take down the Raiders 23 to 20. The Raiders did cover as three and a half point dogs. The overcash just barely at 42 and a half. So good game from Jonathan Taylor, 96 rushing yards and a touchdown, added eight receiving yards to give him his first hundred plus yard effort since week seven. So this is kind of another one of those just Bijan S conversations, Dwayne, because if you just look at Taylor, raw yards per carry, I know it's not the end all be all, but we're looking at a guy as a rookie, he averaged five yards per attempt. Next season, 5.5, 2022 down to 4.5, and this year, a career low four yards per carry. So, obviously, with the context, wasn't the world's best offensive line. We have Minshew, not Anthony Richardson, under center for pretty much all of that. And JT himself was playing through, you know, one injury or another throughout most of the season. So, it just comes down to joining. And, you know, when I did my original uh, 2024 early look at the first round, I think I did have JT, you know, inside the top eight, nine picks under the assumption that we can seize that true 90 percent plus snap rate but just again looking at 2024 specifically do we think jt is just that much better than every other running back out there i don't know man i'm not sure i don't know i i'm worried about jt i am worried that uh maybe the best years are gone just because the efficiency has dropped so far this feels like a potential you know scenario where we're taking him in round three of fantasy drafts next year to be up to, to be honest um, I don't think I could, I don't think there's no way I'm taking Jonathan Taylor in round one next season. Round two, I think is going to be a bit iffy because of all the, think of how many good wide receivers we've talked about and what yeah. round two is <laughs> going to look like. It's going to have a lot of really good wide receiver names. And overall, we just feel better about the receivers. Like they're less likely to get hurt. Um, you know, just looking at what happens with the running backs, how quickly they can, you know, fall off a cliff. Just think of all the nightmares that we've had to live through this season with Josh Jacobs in the third round. Like none of those third round picks that we got excited about really worked out. Ramondre Stevenson, things like that. So I think that's going to be another factor because people really tend to remember uh, last season. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing that we remember the most when we're drafting next year. And there are a lot of misses in the running in the running back department in that late round two and round three territory. Obviously, there were some hits. If you were smart just to stick on a name like a Brees Hall, you felt pretty good at the end of this year, but still you had to wait. But with JT, yeah, I am just worried because he's not a big factor in the passing game, um, not very efficient as a runner. So that just means we're probably depending on volume. Now, he's still young enough that he could have a major efficiency bounce back next year. But there, it's just going to be hard for me to price that into his draft capital and just expect it, meaning it will be hard for me to take him probably in round two. Like if JT's a round three guy, I think I'll want some exposure in, but he's not going to be a guy I'm going out of my way to draft. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen the slide here over the last, really just last year specifically. It was the first time, and I want to say five-plus years, that there were more wide receivers going inside the top, you know, 12 and 24 than running backs. I think we're going to see that trend continue to emerge here, especially with some of that uh, short-term memory that uh, we always seem to have in the fantasy community. Over on the Raiders, shout-out to Devontae Adams, 126 yards and a pair of touchdowns, now up to 1,098 and seven scores with a robust 98 receptions on the year. So not bad. Bad for, you know, pretty much the worst season from Adams that we've seen in a half decade at this point. Also, shout out to Zamir White without Jacobs now. 25, 22, and 20 touches. He had 85 yards in a score in the first one of those games. 145 scoreless yards. And then yesterday, 106 scoreless yards there. So, not saying he's as good as Josh Jacobs, but certainly proven worthy of being a solid enough handcuff. So, final note here, uh, Aiden O'Connell still joins Joe Flacco now as the only quarterbacks without a single scramble attempt season obviously quite a big uh, difference there in the age uh you know factor so overall just you know nice effort i guess from the raiders but yeah you got anything else here in las vegas Dwayne? 
Big thing is just Adams. You know, it's age 31 season because we were talking about Stefan Diggs earlier. And just another example of a guy that's continuing to ball out. He's a 33% target share on the Ooh. season. I mean, that that's that's astronomical. He's averaging 10.2 targets per game at this age. He he has not shown any signs really of slowing down. The only thing that has stopped Devontae Adams this year has been his lack of a quarterback and playing in an offense that here at the end of the season has just really wanted to run the ball. So I think Adams, if he can somehow get out <laughs> of uh, of Las Vegas and land in the right spot, we could get very excited about him. If we're going to be facing another year of not knowing what's going to happen with the quarterback situation here, um, I mean, because obviously we're not excited about Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not really in a great position right now from, you know, as far as what they're going to, we'll, we'll see what they do in the draft. I mean, maybe they can make some sort of maneuver, but we need a, a, a quarterback talent uh, infusion for Devontae Adams. or So that can either come through them upgrading or, the, or them trading away Devonte Adams, but he can still clearly play. Obviously, we'll be another year along, so it's going to be something that we'll have to monitor. But I mean, a 33% target share, that is absolutely bananas. 45% of the Raiders air yards, like also astronomical. Like 38% is really good. 40% is elite. This dude's at 45%. You can't tell me that Justin Fields wouldn't look great in black and silver, Join. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, need to have a trade to get it done. But that, that seems like a, a place that would like to have a Justin Fields. I would like and, to and, and that may be the route they have to go. Let's make it happen, everyone. Rams took down the Giants 26 to 25. New York covered, though, as six and a half point dogs. The overcast year of 43 and a half. So missed field goal at the end. Ruined Tyrod Taylor's, you know, fourth quarter heroics. Really nice comeback performance, though, from the artist known as Ty God. But, yep, another big time performance from Juan Puka Nakua. Now only 10 yards behind Jamar Chase. Only actually less than 30 yards now behind Bill Groman, who actually owns the record back in 1960 for most receiving yards as a rookie got that done in 14 games so your jamar chases your puka nakuas are all good nobody is going to touch bill groman's record there in 14 games so great stuff from puka also great stuff from demarcus robinson again man last five games wide receiver 20 21 24 15 and 24 90 plus route rates and four straight i know he was someone you've been highlighting in the utilization report Dwayne, and accordingly he has been blessing us with again that borderline wide receiver two usage no big reason to believe that's going to be stopping anytime soon again given the full-time role so Got one touchdown for Cooper Cup, which was good to see a week after he dropped two of them. But obviously, Dwayne, the star was none other than Kyron Williams. 87 yards and a trio of touchdowns on the ground. Managed to get over the 100-yard mark with another 14 receiving yards. So more PPR points than anyone other than CMC. I think especially after this performance and Raheem Mostert being hurt, we can make a very strong case that Kyron deserves to be fantasy MVP. At a minimum, it's, it's one of those things, Dwayne, where like, if you want to do MVP as like valuable, I think it's going to be really hard to not say Kyron Williams if you want to do it as in terms of who is the best player this year then I think you know CMC clears he scored the most fantasy points after all but man Dwayne if we're talking about like running backs to take ahead of Kyron next year CMC okay maybe Brees Hall I think that makes sense we feel better about Brees's uh you know receiving usage is that it Gibbs maybe I think Kyron's gonna be top five yeah I, I think he's played so good that it's gonna be hard for people to 
to get away from him yeah. in the first round. You know, we'll have to see what they do in the draft. If they draft competition, obviously that's gonna that will shake things up for Kyron. He doesn't have a ton of draft capital sitting with him. He's also not a huge back. So, but every time we hear Sean McVay come out and say, "Yeah, we want to manage his workload," like he turns around and gives him eighty-seven percent of the carries. <laughs> uh, so now part of that is they don't really have anyone else to hand it to. But yeah, I mean, Kyron's been amazing um, since week twelve. He's got three games of uh, well, he's got two games of thirty plus fantasy points and another that he had twenty seven points. I mean, it's ridiculous. And yes, he is the most valuable player in fantasy football this season, based on where you drafted him, which was a dart throw at the end of your drafts. Well, actually, the thing though, Dwayne, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but only zero RB drafters were actually allowed to throw that last round dart throw or use their fab <laughs> on Kyron. Here we that. go again. <laughs> Lest we yeah. forget. And you know, guess what, guys? I use a ton of zero RB. It is a good draft strategy, but my I'll God, tell you this, the- though. Like so a lesson that kind of sticks with me, um, because every year you have certain things that that you learn, or you're a lot of times it's something you maybe learn in the past, but you forget and you're just kind of reminded. You know, with Kyron, I kind of wrote him off because he got an opportunity at the end of last year, Ian, and he just didn't look good. Right. Remember, they kind of tried to do this at the end of last season, Cam took and over. they ended up just going away from Kyron. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Akers came in and was a factor. So I just, you know, I didn't see a path for Kyron Williams to be this every down kind of back. I thought he was probably going to get typecast into being a satellite type back. And one thing is, like we talk about all the time, we never know for sure on these things. And Kyron was a guy that McVeigh had been very excited about the season before. And when the writing started to look like it was on the wall with Cam Akers, things just continuing to you know sound pretty sour. We should have been more in on Kyron. Like, and the other name I can give an example of this is Trey McBride. Trey McBride, as a rookie, he got an opportunity to play at the end of last season. He was terrible. Like, guys, the the Trey McBride you're seeing today and the Trey McBride that we saw at the end of last season two very different things. Now it isn't the, the quarterback play was terrible. The fact the Cardinals didn't have anything to play for. They were battling through injuries at that, at the quarterback position, but like Trey McBride couldn't earn a target to save his life. And now this dude's out here dominating every week. So just a reminder on some of these younger players, not to take too hard of a line. You have to factor it in. There's no way you would have just came into this year saying, Oh, Kyron Williams, you know, should be around 10 pick. But don't be against taking him at the end of the draft. And the same thing for a guy like Trey McBride, because I did not get enough of either one of these guys, Ian. Big same there, Dwayne. So I do think another lesson in terms of both just hoping, hopefully not missing uh, as many takes uh, this season uh, would be looking at Cam Akers last year and even Jerry Judy. Like these team, these guys in lost seasons, more or less, really putting together some good numbers down the stretch should not be feeling good about that as we do someone like Kyron putting up big numbers on his way to leading an actually successful NFL franchise to the playoffs. So looking again at some of the best running backs since week 10 all the way to the end, CMC number one, Kyron. Kyron number two, Brees Hall's at three. I think the quarterback situation makes it so, and just the overall, you know, talent we've seen from Brees, I feel a little better believing that, but guys like Joe Mixon, James Conner, Devin Singletary, you know, Jerome Ford, even top 12 running backs, not as much Ford applying there, but yeah, man, just remember to keep an eye and add that context to some of the late season production, particularly in an otherwise lost season. Again, shout out Tyrod Taylor. In addition to just leading that comeback, dope 80 yard bomb to Darius Slayton for a score. Who's going to end up leading the giants and receiving for what seems like the 
20th straight year. Tyrod also ripped off a 31-yard rush late to help put them in position. So he's by far been the best Giants quarterback, seven yards per attempt on the year. DeVito's at 6.2 and $160 million man Daniel Jones at a lowly 5.7. So Darren Waller, Slayton, Wandale, and Jalen Hyatt have the full-time roles right now. Obviously, Saquon in the backfield. Any of this, uh, you know, giving you just enlightenment and joy to talk about, Dwayne? Uh, nothing huge here other than, you know, I, I wrote about Darius Slayton last week um, in the utilization report. It's hard to nail down this receiving core, but Slayton, over these last several games, uh, since week 14 now, he's had an 88% route participation or better. So it does seem like they settled on him being at least one of the two guys that's on the field most of the time. And we talked about the benefit of if he gets to play with Tyrod, there's better shot. There's a better chance for him to hit, hit to hit one of these deep balls in the last two games with Tyrod essentially taking over. He's got a dots of 18 and 19. So that's all in play now because not a guy, you know, Ian with, with Slayton, you're not expecting him to come out and earn 10 targets, but if he can earn somewhere between six and seven, and then he's getting, you know, an average depth of target of 15 plus. Well, then he's going to have a chance to have 100 air yards. If you do that, you've got a good shot to uh, come up with a wide receiver three performance. And if you catch a touchdown, you might be a wide receiver two. That's that's typically how that has worked historically. So that's nice for Slayton. Now over 700 yards for the fourth time in his five year career. Not too shabby for an original fifth round pick. Cardinals took down the Eagles 35-31, Philly now in a tailspin, having lost four of their last five. Cardinals obviously covered as 12.5-point dogs. The overcash here at 48. So really was Kyler's best performance as a passer. I mean, he had six passing touchdowns in six games combined coming in before he had three on a 25-31 for 31 passing effort there on Sunday afternoon. So looks great rushing. Like, ever since he's come back, we have seen no signs in terms of just him looking like a lesser athlete. That said, still a career low 30.1 rushing yards per game and not exactly seeing him regularly being featured into you know the tush push equation like a Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen might be so James Conner Dwayne death taxes James Conner putting forward RB1 performances in the playoffs 133 total yards and two touchdowns him and Rashad White did end up I think proving at least one theory right that if you were gonna go ahead and spend draft capital on this volume-based running back in a bad offense you were much better doing so with Conner and Rashad White in rounds like seven and eight versus spending up on the Najee Harris or Andre Stevenson's of the world in rounds three and four. So overall, just cool stuff in Arizona. And again, looking at Connor, man, RB8, RB10, and now RB15 in PPR points per game with the Cardinals over these last three seasons. Once again, over the 1,000 total yards mark. I mean, it's not like, it's not just pure volume, Dwayne. He runs hard as hell. He had a sick one-handed touchdown catch out there. James Conner, man, perennially one of the most underrated running backs. Uh, again, Rashad White was certainly the zero RB that you had to at least draft in the first 10 rounds uh, this last year, but truly some good stuff out of uh, James Conner. So I have no idea what this team's going to look like in 2024. I would like to think they stick with Kyler because I maintain Kyler's a really good quarterback. But man, Dwayne, uh, if we do see no uh, issues, no movement at running back, I don't see uh, this role for Connor really changing all that much, but end of the day, probably just Trey McBride and Connor that were truly uh, hyped about in 2024. Well, and I think most people will continue to dismiss Connor. I mean, he'll be going into his eighth season. The, the good news with him is like, he's not this hyper-efficient back, but he never has been <laughs> really, except very early in his career. That first year, uh, whenever he went off, when we had the levy on bell holdout situation, get nasty. 
Um, Connor was averaging, he, he was averaging more yards per carry then, but essentially since then he's kind of been the same guy. He's always going to battle some injuries, but to your point, when he's out there, he just comes through with the fantasy points. He's very good. You talk about Ian scoring touchdowns, being a skill. I think James Connor is a good example of that. This guy just knows how to get the ball in the end zone. You get him down there inside the three yard line. It's not quite Jalen hurts esque, but you know, he he's pretty good at making sure that he gets across the goal line. Um, if you look at him, he's got 19 and a half attempts per game over the last four contests, averaging 22.3 fantasy points. And that's despite some tough matchups, including games against the 49ers and Eagles, where we really expected the Cardinals to be uh, getting completely blown out. And that was the case against the 49ers, but he still managed to put up decent fantasy points in that game. We've got the Cardinals basically trying to run out the clock on 2023. They are minus 9% drop back rate over expectation over the last several games. So they just want to run the ball. They're willing to hand it to James Conner. So yeah, he's a nice mid-range running back too heading into next weekend. It carries that injury-prone kind of label, but since entering the league in 2017, man, he's played 14, 13, 10, 13, 15, 13, and assuming he plays this week, 13 games once again. So at least 13 games in six or seven years, not too shabby for a veteran RB. Over with the Eagles, Julio Jones had a what year is this moment catching two touchdowns, one of which was fully deflected, but he did not care. King State Kings after all. And otherwise, man, just, yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts, 18 for 23 passing. He threw three he scores so looked better there DeAndre Swift rushing wise was doing some good things but they only had 20 minutes and 21 seconds of time of possession so the Cardinals were just sustaining long drive after long drive they did a surprise onside kick in the fourth which, which kind of led to a short field as well so not overly concerned about the Eagles you know offensive performance because again they did score 31 points the defense just continued to let them down in the second half so there was a pick six thrown on in there which is another reason why the time of possession uh, wasn't as high as it would have been otherwise but I think uh, the big news is Dwayne I mean, DeAndre Swift, they just don't care about him as a receiver. And it's another example that, you know, yeah, when we get the yearly August, this running back is really starting to be used more as a wide receiver report, ends up being BS, you know, I would say nine times out of 10, Dwayne, but I truly think it probably is 10 times out of 10 at this point. So since week 12, six full games, man, Swift only had six catches for 17 yards and zero receiving touchdowns. So Gamewell is actually working ahead of Swift on pass downs. I mean, again, Dwayne, if we just had to kind of project this situation into 2024 having had a full season of the deandre swift eagles rb1 you know experience do you think he'd go that much higher than he kind of was this year he was what round six round seven maybe he creeps up in the round five range but i don't think so it's just like what we've seen in buffalo man i still think swift is a good enough talent but in this offense man it's just not the most fantasy friendly system for running backs yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't I don't think he's really gonna move up. And the biggest factor is still really Jalen Hurts stealing, stealing all the touchdowns. Yeah. Like if, if DeAndre Swift was getting half of those, we would feel elated about having DeAndre Swift, even though his route participation has gone down. And really the biggest driving factor is honestly just the game scripts for the Eagles. They're trailing all the time now, or they're in these close scripts. And that means more long down and distance snaps. That means more two-minute offense. And Kenneth Gainwell does get those. So on base downs, Kenneth Gainwell's not taking over the DeAndre Swift stuff. Like he's still getting his routes. But because the game ends up going into a gear that we're not used to seeing from the Eagles all year, it is tilting things towards Gainwell. You mentioned it this last weekend, 60% route participation for Gainwell, only 24% for Swift the week before, 27%. So since that uh, week 12 game, which you had kind of highlighted as being the, the demarcation line, you may have said week 11, I can't remember, but he hasn't had a route participation of 50% uh, since week 12. 
And if you go back and look at it, it's really to do with the game script. So I think he's probably still in the same exact role, but things have changed in how these games were working out. And I, I don't know what to say about it, to be honest now, because like, how did the Cardinals manage to turn in this into a game that they stole away from the Eagles? I don't know. I, I can't explain it to you, uh, but the Eagles are in an absolute you know, tailspin at the worst time of year. And so that's impacting Swift. I still look, I look at him as a low end running back too. He could work his way back into that high end running back two status if the Eagles can get these games under control moving forward. Another dud for AJ Brown. And going back to week 11, man, he has only scored at one time, only one 100 yard effort. I mean, there's a freaking five game stretch there where he had over 100, a six game stretch over 125 yards each and every time out. You know, not really getting as much hate, I think, as, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs over this past a month and a half. I know he's younger and we can feel better going to 2024, but certainly hasn't exactly been the end of season stretch for AJB that we thought might be on the table. Maybe he picks it up in week 18 now that you're fantasy season's over though with Devontae Smith dealing with an ankle injury. Ian Rapport has reported it's a mild sprain. So maybe he won't be missing much time, but just keep in mind, similar to San Francisco, if we can subtract one of these big three from the passing game, in this case, maybe Devonta Smith, both AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard should be doing far bigger things here ahead. Last it's point. Another, uh, yeah. This is very similar to uh, what we saw with Josh Allen earlier. 69% completion rate for Jalen Hurts over the first 11 games. Like he was just, or, sorry, over the first nine games, mm -hmm. was just absolutely going bonkers. And then if you look at him since week 10, that number is now down to 62%. So I don't know if, if it's due to weather, again, if it's due to defensive scheme changes, something else that's happening. Uh, there, there's obviously, maybe it's just all those things, you know, coming together, or maybe Jalen Hurts is playing with an injury. You know, we know that he's been banged up a little yeah. bit more than what we've seen in the past. So something definitely happening in Philly. Uh, but the, the accuracy challenges for Jalen Hurts is definitely impacting the receiving core. It's just the way he plays, man. We just saw him come within a possession of winning the Super Bowl. So I'm not trying to slander the guy or anything, but like for someone with the rushing numbers he is, it amazes me how little he's able to kind of do out of the pocket. Like when the play breaks down, you would think Hurts would be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, at, you know, just creating off script. And he'll make some of those plays sometimes, but it's hardly, you know, a Mahomes or Josh Allen situation. No. Although, guess what? You're not getting the, uh, you know, what they call in Philly, the first and nine weekly, uh, you know, drives to go ahead and set yourself up with four downs to play for so obviously still a very good quarterback hopefully we see this offense really find its groove here but the playoffs coming up and maybe just maybe join the eagles lose their grip on the nfc east they they haven't clinched right like this is now them and the cowboys tied the eagles no, win. The cowboys just have to win next weekend is there oh my gosh Cowboys beat the Commanders next week. They win, and the Eagles will be the five seed, most likely. Wow. I never, Plus I just, the Cowboys will get a home game out. It's huge for Dallas, man. The Eagles, I just never this. thought this they would huge. lose this game. I didn't either. I thought there was no way when I looked at the final three games for the yeah. Eagles and the final three games for the Cowboys after the Cowboys dropped, uh, God, I can't remember which game I'm thinking back to. It was before the Dolphins game when they lost. And I was just like, oh, it was Buffalo. Yeah. That Buffalo game, after that loss, I was like, okay, the, the East is definitely going to the Eagles when I looked at the schedule. Uh, but now the, the Cowboys are in control of uh, their destiny. All they got to do is beat the Commanders. Oh, um, but you know how it goes, Ian. <laughs> NFC East matchups. Uh, the Commanders have been just getting dusted lately. They'll, they'll probably show up and play their best game of the year next weekend. I always think of the Cowboys week one against the Giants and then the last week of the season against Washington. And then with the Eagles playing the Giants, just some good old-fashioned NFC East slugfest going on. So this would be now, what, 23 straight years or something ridiculous with a different NFC East winner. Gotta love the parody in this division. 
And as Mojo points out, appreciate you guys tuning in live as always, by the way. But yeah, Commanders will have number two pick if they can uh, find a way to lose this one. Yeah, would make a lot of sense. I've heard that before, though, Mojo. No way they'll win. <laughs> I saw that the end of last year with uh, with the freaking Houston Texans. It's, these teams are doing it every yeah. week now. Like the Patriots have done it to themselves. Like they had a better pick locked up. So I don't get it. Um, but we're seeing a lot of these teams when they shouldn't be winning coming out. Like the Giants, what use is a win for them yesterday? Like I don't, I, don't, I'm, I mean, I don't get it. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. I, I think coaches, Ian, in the end of the day, I think coaches still just go out and coach. And they've got a locker room to answer to. The GMs and uh, the owners, they may have their own ideas. But if, if those two entities are not on the same page, then it's an issue. If you can get everybody on the same page and you just play all your backups like, you know, next weekend, but whoever you put out there, like they're planning to put out good film. So I, I think the Cowboys obviously will be big favorites in the game. We would expect them to win. But uh, it, it would not surprise me still if the commanders come out and absolutely play good football. And uh, Yeah, I mean, like, look, it's too physical of a game for these guys to not be playing out 100%. Yeah. And look at George Pickens a couple weeks ago, man. Gives up on one block at the end of it. And he didn't even make the worst point in the world about, you know, having guys c come up on his legs. He should have blocked. Don't get me wrong. But social media lost their mind about this for a week. So you really want to see a team go out there like for a full 60 minutes and just not play. We've seen two coaches get fired this year when that has gone ahead and happened. So as much as we want to say, what are these teams doing? You know, they got to try to hold on to those jobs, Dwayne. So I don't think there's like a real life equivalent to tanking at the job and actually that helping you. But yeah, let's go ahead and just try to put in that A plus effort each and every day and see what happens. Saints took down the Buccaneers, though, 23 to 13. New Orleans covered as two and a half point dogs. The under did cash at 42. So I was wondering, Dwayne, because Derek Carr has been hot recently. Like, is this one of his best career seasons? The answer is no, not really. Pretty much the same thing he was doing with the Raiders last year. And just overall, man, 2022, Andy Dalton in the same Saints offense had a 95.2 passer rating, 53.1 QBR. This year's Derek Carr, 94.7 passer rating and 53.9 QBR. So I know it's something we talked about in the offseason. And I think it's another example that just because you have what you presume to be a mediocre quarterback under center, you can't always assume the grass is going to be greener when you flip them with someone else, just like we saw with another NFC South team in the form of the Desmond Ritter experience. So Hey, four straight games with multi-touchdowns when we've had Chris Olave have some ups, you know, even amidst all the unrealized air yards. Obviously, Jawan Johnson did some good things here. But yeah, overall, just a, you know, kind of sad season in New Orleans. Uh, obviously, in the ever-competitively bad NFC South, though, we might get to watch Derek Carr in a playoff game. What a time to be alive. Sadly, Dwayne, biggest news here is an injury. Alvin Kamara suffered an ankle issue. Kendrick Miller was limited in practice all last week with an ankle injury. He did not suit up, so it ended up being the Jamal Williams show. He hasn't played since week nine. I'm not sure why he wouldn't have gone on IR at this point, so kind of confusing there. But if Alvin Kamara is going to be sidelined, probably Jamal Williams getting the lion's share of the rushes. That said, if Kendrick Miller is healthy, I'd expect him to be the primary receiving back. Yeah, I think Kendrick Miller will end up suiting up. I think basically they've just had – you know, enough players, they didn't need to activate him. I, last week, I know that uh, Dennis Allen came out and said, well, you know, he's just not quite there. I'm with you, though. Like, I, I don't know how he could not have been on IR right. uh, by now, but it did sound like he was close last week. So I think we'll see him next week. Uh, I think this also is an opportunity for Taysom Hill to step back up and have a little bit more participation in the ground game. So I think there's a lot of different ways this could go, but I'm with you. I think Jamal Williams will lead the way, probably looking at it, at it like a low-end running back, too. 
just because I'm going to be a little bit skeptical at first to see how it works out. But I think we could look at Williams as a low-end running back two, high-end running back three. Baker Mayfield used some fourth quarter voodoo to find his way to 309 yards and a pair of passing touchdowns, hit Trey Palmer for 54 yards and Chris Godwin for 47. So, man, Dwayne, sadly lost to uh, my freaking dad in my OG uh, home fantasy league. <laughs> Thanks a lot for those nine fantasy points, uh, CMC. But I, uh, last second, had Kyler in my QB1 spot all week and then moved Baker in there. And just like, Watching Kyler's numbers go up until the fourth quarter and Baker is sitting at like negative one point. Like, I don't know if I would have been here with you guys if I had to actually uh, have that go through and cost me the fantasy championship. But when you lose a fantasy championship, I don't know about you guys, but like when I have those close start sit decisions, like I just immediately make sure that I didn't cost us the championship. If my team just sucks, you know, we suck. But man, nothing more tilting than making that last second move that ends up costing you. And I'm not talking about saying, oh, I could have picked up Joe Flacco off the way waiver wire and you know started him over Patrick Mahomes like actually realistic stuff uh always good to find out that again just your team sucks and it wasn't you a scholar at messing that up but yeah had some duds here from Rashad White 66 scoreless yards Mike Evans only had 70 yards on the day and no touchdowns that said Rashad White RB9 and PPR points per game on the season and Mike Evans wide receiver eight so just great having those two guys doing their thing throughout the season I'm not even sure if Mike Evans is going to be back in Tampa Bay next year but Obviously, he can still very much ball. And yeah, still, despite the performance, you know, obviously, Tampa Bay had a chance to clinch. Would have been a lot cooler for them to do so. But still, man, Baker, 28 touchdowns versus just 10 picks this year. Not too shabby. And man, Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, and because he did die in a freaking field and come back to life, DeMar Hamlin, not too shabby of a top three comeback player of the year, Dwayne. Yeah, not bad at all. And with the Bucks, uh, you know, only four targets for Godwin and Evans each this weekend. So just out of character from what we've seen from them over the last several weeks, obviously the Saints came in with a good game plan there. Um, Baker ended up trying to make it competitive there at the end. We did get a touchdown catch from Godwin late in the game, but not the typical, you know, outing that we've seen. Not many teams have the ability to take those two guys away. So I would expect them to both be uh, players that we're pretty excited about heading into week 18. 49ers took down the Commanders 27 to 10, did cover as 14 point faves. The under cash, though, at 48 and a half. So Brock Purdy went out there and had a nice bounce back performance after pretty much the worst game of his career against the Ravens, 230 yards and a pair of touchdowns through the air, one of which was a real nice just scramble extended play to Brandon Ayuk. And another good example of that while we do see Purdy boasting that really high yards per attempt, the comparisons to Jimmy G are lazy. We've seen Purdy do far more with his legs than Jimmy G has has really throughout his entire career. So Brandon Ayuk, 114 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel, 37 yards and found a touchdown. Also chipped in another 35 yards on the ground. Gotta love that. But Dwayne, the big story here is injury-prone Christian McCaffrey. Hadn't missed a single game all season, just waited until the fantasy championship to sadly have that calf act up. So is being reported as a calf strain. You'd like to think that's not going to hinder him for the playoffs. They did clinch that first-round bye, so he'll have an extra long time to get right. But I do think the uh, you know, important note here, Dwayne, was something that Kyle Shanahan did confirm himself earlier in the season when he got asked. It's Elijah Mitchell when McCaffrey is sidelined, not Jordan Mason. Yeah, and that's what we saw in the game. 45% of the rushing attempts went to Elijah Mitchell. 5% went to Jordan Mason. Now, Mason was battling an injury last week in practice, so he might not have quite been 100%. 
But yeah, I think Elijah Mitchell is the name that we'll be talking about for the week 18 DFF slate. It'll be interesting to see where he gets priced because there's just no reason for McCaffrey to play. The 49ers have a bye week and they can essentially have they essentially have two bye weeks to rest whoever they want before they get to host a home playoff game in the divisional round. So I would not expect to see McCaffrey. We'll see what happens with the rest of their skill position players. But Elijah Mitchell could be in for a pretty hefty role. I don't know that they would just you know, unleash him, you know, Ian at like that 60, 70% rushing attempt range just because he's been a guy that's battled injuries and they like having him as a weapon that they want to have available for the playoffs. So I think we would definitely project him as the lead guy this weekend, but I think we're probably, I'm going to be looking at Jordan Mason getting, you know, 20, 30% of the carries, maybe get 50% to Mitchell and then just leave room for some other guys to fill in. Sounds pretty reasonable to me, my friend. Over with Washington, Sam Howell had to come in late after Jacoby Brissett ended up not being able to suit up with that hamstring injury. Just, you know, another example of Washington just having, you know, just such a great place to develop quarterbacks year after year. But yeah, Terry McLaurin did score a touchdown, only needs 54 more yards to have his four straight 1,000-yard season. I really think, you know, ever since... Allen Robinson kind of had it. And then Andre Johnson before him, just a really good wide receiver. And I know, I know Andre Johnson's way better than Allen Robinson, but just when you look at their quarterbacks throughout their career, really one, you know, porous one after another, they've had to overcome. And with DJ Moore now putting up 1300 yards with Justin Fields, I do think Terry McLaurin officially wins the competition of who has had to deal with more dog shit QBs during their young career. So free Terry. We did have Brian Robinson back, Dwayne, usual usage alongside Antonio Gibson. Facing the Cowboys next week, not going to be pretty. You got anything here? I mean, not going to be pretty. We say that, but the, if if the Commanders are game planning on how they're going to deal with the Cowboys, they're going to try to run the ball, uh, and it is going to be Robinson leading the way. So I, I think it's a scenario where, with Robinson having Chris Rodriguez suffer the season-ending injury last weekend. Like he's clearly the guy they want out there. 64% of the rushing attempts in this game. Antonio Gibson still did his little thing, you know, got some of the passing downs. But if if the commanders did upset the Cowboys next week, I think Robinson would be a key part of that. So I, I agree with you. Low end running back to game script dependent, but the Cowboys have shown you that if you want to come out and commit to the run against them, if they if they don't happen to build that lead early, like you can you can hang with it pretty much the whole game and uh, it makes your life better against the Dallas pass rushers. Jaguars took down the Panthers 26 to nothing. They obviously covered us three and a half point favorites. The under did cash though at a lowly 38. So really big time performance from Travis Etienne, 102 yards on the ground and scored twice, even ripped off a long 50, I'm sorry, 62 yard touchdown run that showed off some of that long speed that let's be honest, haven't exactly seen week after week, the same way he had it on display at Clemson. So this was the first time he cleared even 90 total yards since week eight. And the two touchdowns were as many as he had in the last seven games combined so that week eight game was the one against Pittsburgh Dwayne where he caught that long touchdown down the sideline he had had like four or five straight games of just absolutely going off and he was like being ranked as a legit top five running back in fantasy each and every week has you know fallen back to earth though since then hasn't exactly lost much of the usage I mean on the season it's Christian McCaffrey Rashad White and Travis Etienne the only three running backs with north of 300 touches already this year Pollard Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon 
Jackson probably will get there in week 18. But man, Dwayne, without the efficiency, which isn't all on him, don't get me wrong, Jaguars ranked dead last in rushing yards before contact per carry. So I don't think if we saw, you know, another running back in there, they'd be doing much better. But where do you uh, fall on this, Dwayne? Because again, after eight weeks, I thought it was really easy to say like, man, we messed up, definitely should have drafted more ETM. And I, you know, I think at that round four price, he was going at a lot of times. We still can say that he was a great draft pick in that range, but we see him start creeping up in the round two, Dwayne. Going to be tough for me to really try to jump on this bandwagon after another year, unless we see this Jaguars offense make some true big time additions to that offensive line. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think with ETN, you know, it's frustrating because you mentioned it like overall, the utilization hasn't changed much. Like they've, they've given out a little bit of his rushing workload to some of the other guys. And then he kind of got it back. And then this week it really, they, they lightened his workload. Um, and it wasn't just late in the game. It was early in the game. He only handled 48% of the rushing attempts. So I don't know if they're doing that to, you know, try to maybe get some of his explosiveness back. And, you know, all that matters is what the coaches think. So if they think that suddenly unlocked this long running, play in that game we could see more of that but it was the first sizable action that we've seen for tank bigsby since week 11 he had 30 percent of the rushing attempts and it wasn't in the fourth quarter he had 33 percent in the first quarter he was involved every single quarter so I, I don't know for sure what the jaguars are doing when i look at etn he honestly reminds me a lot of tony pollard like yeah. we, we know that he's going to get decent utilization it could be a little bit to one side or the other but we never really know what are we going to get in the box score. Now, early in the season, that was a different story. But since week 10, it's been really tough. Uh, you're either getting a borderline running back one or you're getting, you know, a low end running back three. It can be anywhere. Injuries on the Jaguars. Jamal Agnew suffered a leg fracture. He will be missing the rest of the season. Hate to see that. And Doug Peterson did say that Trevor Lawrence is considered day-to-day with that right shoulder injury. So we'll see if he can get back and healthy. That was just the first game he missed since high school. So pretty Matt, pretty wild stuff there. Uh, CJ Bethard, or as you, I'm sorry, or as Brian Drake, and Cindy, Mama Harditz likes to call him CJ Beathard. We had uh, that going on at the household, uh, Dwayne. He went ahead and got the W, you know, kept them on schedule just realize realize guys this was one of the classic backup quarterbacks not taking any chances downfield sort of performance his 6.2 yard average target depth on the season is the fifth lowest mark among 63 qualified qbs so certainly don't think we're looking at a changing of the guard in jacksonville and accordingly we did see really only evan ingram make some fancy production in that passing game over in Carolina, just want to put some context to how bad this year has been for Bryce Young. Last two games before this one were the best two games, I think, of his career, and they did show some promise. Guess what, guys? You throw the ball 300, 400 times in a year, we are hopefully going to be able to find some plays that make you look pretty damn good. Yes, we can find those at Bryce. We can also find them with Tommy DeVito, so let's not freak out. But just on the year, PFF passing grade, which is 41st among 55 qualified quarterbacks. Guess what? He's terrible on yards per attempt, passer rating, and all that. But just over the past 10 years, Dwayne, here are the only quarterbacks with a worse PFF passing grade as a rookie. Zach Wilson, Derek Carr, T-Bag, Paxton Lynch, Deshaun Kaiser, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Duck Hodges, throwback shout-out, Josh Rosen, Blake Bortles, Jared Goff, and Jake Luton. Yes, I know Jared Goff worked out. I know Trevor Lawrence, who wasn't even that much better in this, he ended up working out, and we can talk through similar situations in terms of not having many weapons and not having the coaching staff. But my God, Dwayne, at least the Urban Meyer-led Trevor Lawrence could average north of 200 passing yards per game. Where do you fall on this? Because every single number tells us that Bryce Young is a terrible quarterback, and it just when I look at a comp group of 10 other terrible quarterbacks, 
and Jared Goff, it's really tough for me to just say, look, it happened with Jared Goff. He'll be fine. Yeah, I think you have to lean toward the towards this being a, a bad data point. But we also just know that like this is not there's not much here from a skill position standpoint. So we'll see what the Panthers do. Like if they find a way to get really aggressive uh, in the offseason in free agency and they add more weapons for Bryce Young, I think that we'll be a little bit more optimistic. Uh, obviously, they're going to make some sort of move here. Um, but I, I think it's tough to completely rule him out as being a good quarterback. He was just so good at Alabama. and He did so many of the things that, honestly, we've seen some of the better quarterback prospects do. Um, he was a guy that actually compared really closely to Joe Burrow with a lot of things like the throws under pressure, uh, the scramble drill stuff, avoiding the pressure, finding the big throw still down the field, being able to fit the ball into tight windows. Um, so I, 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 I hate to just say like all of that stuff's gone, um, but get him some weapons. Let's see what happens. But it's going to happen pretty quick, Ian. I'll say that. Like if he has another year like this next year, like they'll just have to move on. And man, as much as I would like to say, like, okay, let's, you know, use this year to really build around him. Again, they their first pick is going to be in round two after they gave that up to the Bears in the original trade. And, you know, Dwayne, we kind of saw what happened last year when they went out and tried to boost up this offense and free agency. I mean, Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I get it. Thielen did some good things. Chark's made a couple of nice catches over the last uh, few weeks, but clearly uh, a bottom five, if not the bottom Go one. Go get T. Higgins and Mike Evans. We'd feel better then. And that's what I'm looking at, man. Mike Evans, we got, you know, a little OBJ out there. It's a pretty good free agent class for wide receivers. We could get some guys. We can get some guys. I'd like to see a trade, if anything. We're talking about, okay, I don't want this for Devontae Adams, but if you could add someone like that to this offense, we've seen it, man. DJ Moore with Justin Fields, you know, AJ Brown with Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Hopkins with Kylo Murray, Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow. Like, we just can't waste another year in Carolina with the fallback of, like, he didn't have any weapons. Figure it out this year and move on. Otherwise, it's going to keep looking, I think, like Chicago, where we're going to waste multiple seasons wondering if the problem is really Bryce or just the guys around him. Don't think this will be the last time in 2024 we're having a similar Real quick, Ian, you got T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, Calvin Ridley, Darnell Mooney, Gabe Davis, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I'm not going to keep reading all these. Curtis Samuel. Those are some of the top names that are available, but definitely some at the top. Like, man, Michael Pittman. I, I, I don't see the Colts letting him get away, like as young as he is. But T. Higgins, like, you know, the Bengals are probably going to be forced into letting him get out of there. And you got Evans. Uh, Hollywood Brown, like I, oh, I still think would be nice to have. Like, I don't think we're delusional and think that Hollywood's like this mega wide receiver one, but a really good wide receiver two. And then Calvin Ridley still had his moments this year. I know we were just talking about the Jaguars. I know he didn't come through this last weekend, but still had a 29% target share. Like, so he's out there like getting open and worthy of throwing the ball to. They just haven't been able to click with him this year. Man, I just get nervous when we start going too into these, you know, high price free agent wide receivers. We've seen some booms. Jacoby had a pretty good year this season. Christian Kirk obviously was nice last year, but we just think I think I think you've got to look at the classes though. And you I think a lot of this has to be based on the talent of the player. Yeah. Um, these are these are some like Michael Pittman. I have you know, no doubt like yeah. this guy has a, oh, a sure. high end wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one profile based on the body of work. And how old he is. It's just a matter of like which which of these guys actually escape, you know, their current situation. I don't want to say escape. Like we like where the Colts are headed, but which which of these guys actually end up hitting the street as free agents? But like I think there's a lot to like about T. Higgins. I think there's a lot to like. We obviously know Mike Evans is a good player, just you know, he's he's older, 
Um, Hollywood, I think we know that he is what he is, a wide receiver too. So I don't think we would go nuts about him. Um, so yeah, I think it just depends on the class, depend, depends on the player a lot, you know, more so than what contract these teams give them. Hey, I would love to see T and Evans go there and everything, you know, work out just fine. I just get a little worried, Dwayne, because my favorite wide receiver, you know, that archetype, just that beast contested catch monster. I love me some Kenny Galladay when he led the NFL in receiving touchdowns in 2019. Like good things were happening there. And then, you know, whether it's Kenny Galladay, Des Bryant, some of these other wide receivers, like when they hit a cliff, man, they hit an absolute cliff. Not saying that's going to happen to T. Higgins or Mike Evans in at 2024, but man, let's just go ahead and get Bryce Young some better weapons and see what happens. Ravens massacred the Dolphins 56 to 19, covering as three point favorites. The overcast year of 46 and a half pretty much cemented Lamar Jackson as our 2023 league MVP. Five passing touchdowns, 321 yards, now sitting pretty with a career high eight yards per attempt and 67.2% completion rate. So, yeah, career low, 51.3 rushing yards per game, but that's still freaking incredible for anyone other than, you know, his own sky high expectations. For reference, again, Lamar this year at 51.3. Mike Vick just in Atlanta, so not even like his backup years, was at 52.1. So the reduced version of Lamar as a rusher is still pretty much Mike Vick level good. Absolutely madness going on there with Lamar. So Gus Ebers now has 13 touchdowns on the year. Needs just 58 more total yards to hit 1,000. Irv Smith, not Irv Smith, Isaiah likely went out there, Dwayne, scored two more touchdowns, making his, you know, just Mark Andrews shit. Might as well pick up Isaiah likely, making those fantasy managers proud zay jones went off and had a, a 75 yard house call but i think the big story was the emergence of justice hill man went out there caught five passes 64 yards and a touchdown through the air added another 48 rushing yards that said man only did it on eight total touches so did we see a change in utilization here Dwayne? because just from an eye test perspective man justice hill looked like he belonged i mean you like to bring up the running back average target depth which i think is a great indicator of who can actually be a good receiver and who's just more of a check down guy justice hill was making him work on wheels and that didn't even include this like 30 or 40 yard gain he had that got wiped off on a pretty ticky tacky opi yeah for sure I think Hill is a guy that they're just trying to get a certain number of touches to. The week before, he got 10 carries and three targets. This week, it was only three rushing attempts, but he got the five targets. So I think we can look at him as being a guy they want to have somewhere between eight and 12 touches per game. You're going to have a similar workload for Gus Edwards, with Edwards getting most of the early down work and getting the carries inside the five-yard line, 100% again for Gus Edwards this past weekend. So I think we've got pretty clear roles with these two guys. Uh, but with Hill, it just depends on the matchup as to how they want to get him his touches. But I think they're both like now for me, I've moved. I upgraded uh, Justice Hill to mid range running back three territory, but he can give you this running back two performance like you talked about. Ian. he gave you 22 fantasy points this weekend. And I think Gus Edwards is a borderline running back two. But in any given week, like you could have one of them just disappear. But it does appear for for now, like the, the Ravens have settled on, okay, let's get Gus the work inside the five, give him 10 to 15 carries per game, and then he'll, if we have to, we'll get him his work as a receiver. Ravens did go ahead and clinch that number one seed in the AFC, so kudos to them on yet another really good season down there in Baltimore. Over with the Dolphins, Tyreek's chase for 2K pretty much evaporated here, only was able to reel in. Let's see, six catches for 76 yards. Should have had a short 10-yard touchdown to his name. It was in his hands. Looked like that sun glare just really got him, and sadly, we had a brutal drop touchdown on that one. So, sorry to any time touchdown betters out there, but at least 
Devin Achan was doing his thing. 137 yards on 18 touches and found the end zone. Looking fast doing it, Dwayne. And just now in his games this season, I mean, he hit that lull, you know, for a couple of weeks, but even that wasn't horrible. Overall, just in the games this year where he hasn't been injured, RB1, RB5, 4, 3, and then 20, 27, 45, back to an RBA performance this week. So Raheem Mostert, obviously out of the equation, help matters. We didn't see Jeff Wilson completely go away, but man, Dwayne, I know on Sunday morning when we got our ranking updates in, always for free at fancylife.com, you had HN up there at RB4, I had him up there at RB7. I mean, if we get 15 plus combined carries and targets, no Waddle being in there helped as well, don't get me wrong, but just even less of a workload than this, 15, man, with the efficiency and the talent and the offense, going to be tough to keep him out of the top 12 on a weekly basis and maybe even the top six. Yeah, I don't think you can keep him out of the top 12. It's just a, how high you want to rank him after that. Like yeah. the efficiency <laughs> and everything was there. We just didn't get the touchdowns in a tough matchup. So, yeah, I think HN, if we don't have Mostert again this next weekend, he'll probably be in my top six running backs. Great day to be great there. We will have this Dolphins-Bills Sunday night shootout to help decide the NFC East, AFC East going on. So that will be a fun one. Tua did say his left shoulder is just sore, so it sounds like that's not going to be an injury to worry about. Keep an eye on Tyreek. He was hobbling around out there, but I think it's just the culmination of injuries, not anything new that's necessarily going to keep him out. Sadly, though, that Dolphins defense that had been absolutely crushing it. We're talking about number one in EPA allowed per play. Since getting Jalen Ramsey back, obviously you have 56 points. That's, not, that's an indication that maybe those numbers were a little bit skewed, but also not going to get better anytime soon because Edge Bradley Chubb is indeed feared to have t- suffered a torn ACL. So hate to see that. Please, Elon Musk, for the love of God, fix ACL injuries already. We would all appreciate it here in the American football world. Texans took down the Titans 26 to 3. Houston covered as a five point fade. The under cash at 44. So, not a ton here, Dwayne. I mean, Stroud was a little bit rusty coming back, understandably. I mean, only 213 passing yards. He did 274 plus in five straight before his injury with over 304 of those games. So, smash matchup. I know we were hoping for more. Only ended up getting really a usable day out of Nico Collins. That said, we did have an injury to Noah Brown with his hip that kind of t- took him out of action. Even Robert was dealing with a little bit of a mess as well. So with the Texans, they're going to be playing on that Saturday game next week. More of those against the Colts. Should be a smash spot, Dwayne. I would not be surprised at all if we see Stroud, Nico Collins, and Dalton Schultz get back on track in a major way. Yeah, I mean, they're playing to get into the playoffs. They're going to be playing against the Colts. They just got to win that game. Um, Devin Singletary is another name I think we can throw in there. Like Singletary, Nico, and, you know, uh, Dalton Schultz are names that we're going to be willing to start in fantasy. Outside of that, we did see John Mechie get into a pretty much his largest role that we've seen for the season, Ian, but it still wasn't a full-time role. We had a Xavier Hutchinson out there. Uh, you know, we had uh, Robert Woods still doing his thing. Now he's just, and what the funny thing is with Woods is like, you get to play with CJ Stroud. Like if we, if I would have told you at the beginning of the season, like what kind of season, you know, CJ Stroud was going to have and that Robert Woods would be a full-time player which is essentially what he's been when he's been healthy for this team. And he's the wide receiver 76 on the season, averaging uh, 6.4 fantasy points. So Woods has just obviously lost his fastball. But uh, if you're playing in a a playoff-style best ball contest, it's a guy like you can get later if you are placing you know a bet on the Texans making it through the next round. But just real quick on Nico Collins, uh, last week we know he had that 45% route participation, didn't play at the end of the game because he was he had been 
nursing the calf injury that caused him to miss week 15. Not quite back to full health this weekend, Ian. 71% route participation. That had been in the mid-80s before the injury, but a 33% targets per route run allowed him to lead the team because, you know, Nico, he's just a badass. 26% target share on the weekend gave you 16 fantasy points. When he's fully healthy and clicking and he has Stroud, he's a low-end wide receiver one, and I think that'll be about where I have him heading into next weekend. And I do think that, and obviously everything Tank Dell was doing before the injury, ended up being the bigger issues for Robert Woods. I mean, Noah Brown, more weeks than not, has been going out there and absolutely crushing it. So still remember, man, just talking up Robert Woods as his discount version of Adam Thielen. And to your point, Dwayne, I would have been screaming that at everybody if we knew how good Stroud was going to be. Just didn't quite work out. That's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes after all. Over in Tennessee, just, you know, brutal. Will Levis got hurt again with his foot injury. Derrick Henry did own the Texans over the previous, you know, five years of his career. Has been absolutely shut down over these two games. Tajay Spears, six carries, zero yards. Good to see DeAndre Hopkins have seven catches for 72 yards, Dwayne. I don't think he's washed. I just think he's going through what a lot of wide receivers sadly have to go through when you don't have a quarterback that can get you the ball. Guess what? Kind of hard to score at fantasy points. So anything, uh, you know, making you – Making you want to talk some Tennessee Titans here? No, you mentioned it on Hopkins. That's the only thing. 29% target share, uh, 25% of the air yards, but he's not as he's not near as fun. That air yards number comes way down when we don't have Levis. And so we were back to Tannehill again. Average depth of target in these last two games with Tanny pretty much 6.3 and 9.8. When we had Levis, it was 14, 17, 15, 22. So when you put that together with 30% target shares, you know, obviously there's some really big air yard numbers that go along with that. And while some games it may not do anything for you, Ian, all you know that, hey, if he comes down with just four or five of those targets, he can absolutely have a, a monster fantasy day. But with Ryan Tannehill under center, it definitely takes a hit. He still came up with 14 fantasy points this yeah. weekend, wide receiver 26. But D Hop still doing D Hop things. He's going to be 33 next season, Ian. So he is another guy that you know we'll, we'll probably be talking about the age cliff plenty with heading into 2024 drafts. But for the rest of this year, we just, we just need Will Levis, and we probably won't have him next week. Yeah, right now, uh, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill still have the same amount of passing touchdowns. Which, uh, yeah, you know, if Tannehill got hurt in Week One, maybe that makes sense, but. Don't look now, guys. He's uh, still played in nine games, so not ideal over there. Before we get to the late afternoon last few games, just want to give a shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings because, guys, the new year is officially here, and no matter how your team did, everyone gets to start fresh in 2024. We've teamed up with DraftKings, and if you're a new customer, you can take advantage of this fresh new offer they have because right now, new customers who bet just $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Get your new year off to a great start by downloading the DraftKings app and signing up using my promo code SUNDAY. Night. If you're already signed up for DraftKings, you can get a no sweat bet. You can get a bonus bet back if your same game parlay doesn't hit. Max reward limit supply. And if you're a fan of multiple teams and want to bet on all of them, combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. The sports betting is not yet available in your state. Not to worry, you can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports, something that we're going to be focusing on a lot here in week 18. Pretty much DFS Christmas for you true DGENs out there. So again, everyone, download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers to use my promo code Sunday night and bet $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code Sunday night only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Late afternoon slate now. Steelers took down the Seahawks 30 to 23, covering as four and a half point dogs. He overcashed at 40 and a half. So it will be the Mason Rudolph experience continuing moving forward. Mike Tomlin has already confirmed that, even with Kenny Pickett healthy. So kudos to Tomlin for securing his 17th straight non losing season. Absolute king shit going on in Pittsburgh. But yeah, man, Rudolph has earned it just on the season 10 and a half yards per attempt. Kenny Pickett's at 6.4, and Mitch Trubisky's at 5.9. So George Pickens has obviously been balling, but Deontay Johnson going out there and making some plays as well, but really has been the pick and show recently. 1,140 yards now on the year, 12th most among wide receivers, more than guys like Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, DK Metcalf, Chris Olave, Jalen Waddle, amongst others. So overall on the season now on a per game basis, Jalen Warren, RB 28 in PPR points per game, Najee RB 36. And I'll try to check this, you know, one of these days, but, I want to say it might only be Jalen Warren and CMC as the only running backs to finish top 36 in each and every week this year. So truly great consistency out of Jalen Warren. And I am shocked that we got this level of production from him without having a Najee Harris injury to help shoot him up the ranks. So still very much good. Still very much in a committee. But hey, good to see, you know, actually good things happening in this Pittsburgh offense for a change, Dwayne. Well, over the last three games, there's been a big change in the offense, and it's around the route participation for Jalen Warren, 83%, 59%, and 81%. He's taken over all of the long down and distance work, all of the two-minute offense. He was splitting that with Najee earlier in the season. Now, they're giving Najee more of the rushing attempts. He's had 50%, 66%, and 60%. We kind of had really more of an interchangeable thing going on earlier. Now they're saying, okay, Najee's going to be more of the early down back. We're going to get Jalen his touches on the ground but we're going to give him all of the passing down work. And so that's been a nice development for him. He's had 12, 10, and 20 fantasy points over that stretch, averaging 14 per game. That's running back 19, 26, and running back 11 this past weekend. So I do think Jalen Warren gets the upgrade to low-end running back two status just because he cannot, he's just shown us how many times he can come through on a low touch count. And now we know that we're guaranteed to get these passing down opportunities. So obviously the season's almost over. But for week 18, feel pretty good about Jalen Warren. The other change has obviously been George Pickens. And I think more of this has to do with Mason Rudolph being under center. I don't know how much it is to do with the offense, but target shares of 27%, 24%, and 45% over the last three games. But Deontay Johnson, to your point, still getting some 23%, 20%, and 20 But we're honestly used to those being flipped. Yeah. Usually, like when I read you those target shares, the 27, 24, 45, that's Deontay. And George Pickens is getting the other. So I do think this is potentially something to do with uh, Mason Rudolph. So we'll we'll have to see what happens with it. This is, we only got one this one week left, but uh, obviously George Pickens can give you a big boom game. Certainly, I know made a lot of fantasy managers happy with those back to back boom games. Just remember in this offense with these quarterbacks, boomer bust wide receiver three types do fall back to earth and bust. You know, eventually after these hot streaks. If Kirk, if Kirk Cousins is not a Viking, this is where I want him. Like I think Ooh. Kirk Cousins playing with George Pickens, Deontay like Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Jalen Warren. I, we would feel really good about this offense next year. I like that call a lot. Get another first rounder on that offensive line. Well, we probably have to. Eh, I don't know if Kirk would fetch a first rounder right now, just coming off the Achilles issue. And I think his contract's up anyway. 
Either way, Dwayne, I like yeah. that matchmaker. We'll get Fields in Las Vegas still, but Kirk to uh, Pittsburgh, I like that a lot. Over on the Seattle side, Kenneth Walker was looking good out there, ended up getting 75 yards and a touchdown, but man, that shoulder is clearly giving him problems. And it was one of those things, Dwayne, where I had some close start set decisions. I know you did as well, involving Walker. And even though we did have Schefter, you know, before saying that he would go out there and play, absolutely noting that he did re-injure that shoulder, man, it just gave me some cause for concern. And ultimately, we did see him you know in that third and fourth quarter really having a trainer working on it had to go back to the locker room came back out there and accordingly we did see zach charbonnet still plenty involved so walker's still getting the touches man but it's just a ticking time bomb out there knowing how much pain he is playing through with the shoulder injuries so as much as you know i wanted to rank walker as like a top 10 running back going this week knowing how much he's been dominating the touches recently i feel like there's no choice but to kind of lower him down to almost that rb2 range because of how much of an issue the shoulder likely will continue to be yeah and i mean i moved him down last weekend like as the news just oh, yeah. coming down that it was going to be that game time decision it's just it's yeah it's a situation where when you know you have zach charbonnet there as well it's, it's not ideal but he did have 83 percent of the rushing attempts last weekend so that's what we've seen over the last three weeks 79 percent, 79 percent, 83 percent. he's clearly the guy they want on the field for early down situations they want to give him most of the work on the ground it's zach charbonnet zach charbonnet had 100 percent of the long down and distance snaps over the last three games and he's got 91 percent of the two minute offense so similar to what we just talked about with the steelers um, where they've said, okay, you're, you're going to get most of the rushing attempts. You're going to get worse of the, most of the passing downs. But for Charbonnet, unfortunately, he's not getting around that 30% rush share like we're, what we're still seeing for Jalen Warren, which means he's a guy that, you know, honestly, like I, I don't even know what to think about Zach Charbonnet at this point because I don't think we've really seen him enough yeah. this year, Ian, to know. But after seeing him carve out more of a workload in the middle of the year, and some of that was due to Walker's injuries, but now to see him immediately get pushed back down into 17% of the attempts, 11%, 17% for a team trying to make the playoffs, I don't think that's necessarily a great sign for Zach Charbonnet going forward. Obviously not going to overreact here. Um, it is a running back position. If he ever falls into the volume, he's probably going to score a lot of fantasy points. But I don't know how much we can really expect from Charbonnet as far as just pushing Kenneth Walker next season if Kenneth Walker is healthy. I think that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, because I mean, you mentioned him again carving out that larger role midseason when Walker was banged up. Walker's banged up right now. And honestly, we're not seeing that really come back to fruition. So also the fact that Walker now has 55 catches to his name during his first two years. We have not seen the Seahawks look at Kenneth Walker like, you know, a David Montgomery here kind of over the second half where they say you are never going to be out there on the field. He really has just been more so their bell cow back this entire season. Broncos took down the Chargers 16 to 9. Denver covered as three and a half point favorites. The under cash at 39 and a half. So Jared Stidham was fine out there uh, for the Chargers. Alex Erickson had seven catches for 98 yards. Austin Eckler had another dud in a season, especially a second half full of them. And Jerry Judy, even without Corlton Sutton, even without Marvin Mims, can only muster three catches for 54 scoreless yards. So I will say he got like a fourth and one target, had a little bit of separation, and ended up drawing like a 30 yard defensive pass interference penalties so could have should have would have been a bigger day for judy Dwayne, you texted me nice hip nice uh, tip by the way to be slamming those judy over 46 and a half yard receiving props so we got there but again sadly just not a very good performance shout out to a uh, little jordan humphrey yak filled electric 54 yard touchdown that was really fun to see but overall Dwayne, just again two pretty bad offenses denver continues to rotate running backs and yeah overall a sad state of affairs i would say for both franchises 
Yeah, it's a game where nothing good happened, but like from a prop standpoint, it was pretty good for me because <laughs> it was also just I took the over on Gerald Everett at six and a half targets. He's got eight, eight, and nine over the last three games, uh, and he's in a full time role. And I saw that Donald. Where are you Parham betting on was, targets? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you can bet on it. it there's all sorts of books that you can do it. Ah, I can't say closer, it because we're officially good. we're officially sponsored by DraftKings here, oh. Ian. So <laughs> yeah, go find it there. Um, but Love yeah, DraftKings. With, yeah, and well, in Texas, I can't bet DraftKings. So, um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but with Gerald Everett, uh, like the route participation has been there. Targets per route run over the last three games, dude: thirty-three percent, twenty-five percent, thirty-five percent. You know, you bad. mentioned it. Did not have Josh Palmer. Did not have Keenan Allen out there. I don't think we're going to see those guys next week either. So, probably another good game for Everett as far as the targets. I cannot guarantee you that he's going to come. Uh, he's going to turn all of those into catches because not they're not always catchable if you will. So we'll see what happens with Everett there. But yeah, you mentioned the thing with Austin Eckler, like the utilization was really similar to the week before. So it does look like with the new coaching staff, they're just going to go ahead and ride Eckler for this uh, remainder of the season. But to your point, only 40 fantasy points because the efficiency uh, is just not there. Hard to get too excited about anything to do with the Chargers. And one thing on the on the Broncos side real quick, and, and we can move on to whatever you want here, uh, probably just the next game, but not even – Judy couldn't even get over a 64% route participation oh, in a game that didn't have Cortland Sutton or Marvin Mims. Instead, you know, you had a you had a Brandon Johnson out there for 92% route participation. Need him. You had, you had little Jordan Humphrey out there, 56%. He had the long time – he actually had a really good run after the catch. It was so sick. Little Jordan Humphrey, got to give him credit on that one. And Philip Dorsett had to get 44% of the routes. Ian, you know, Philip Dorsett hadn't really played since like week three. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, Jerry, no, nah, we're not really that crazy about you. <laughs> Still led the team like with a 26% targets per route run. But uh, like if you had told me before the game that he wasn't at least going to get a 90% route participation, I would not have wanted to bet uh, the 46 and over the 46 and a half yards. <laughs> so still got lucky, got there. So it ended up working out. But Judy did not have as many routes as I had hoped. This uh, next year, once we start getting the drafts, I'm just going to make a list of not, not a do not draft list. Cause I maintain, don't hate the player, hate the ADP. Yeah. Everyone can be a value at the right price, but I'm putting Devontae Jerry Parker. Judy's on it. <laughs> I'm putting Jerry Judy. I'm putting Devonte Parker and I'm putting Gerald Everett where just before I draft those guys, I'm going to make myself look at a list and, uh, you know, remind myself of something. We're going to get here. you like a rubber band that has those names on it. And every time you start to draft it, you just have to snap it. You just have to snap it. You have to pull it all the way back and just let it go. Hit the wrist. Ian's Ian's wrist is going to be so swollen next uh, next preseason because we know you want to draft those guys every draft. Ian, I was thinking another one would be like if I draft them, I have to do fifty push-ups. So like at least if I'm going to be losing a ton of money again, you know, I'll at least you know be building some muscle and doing that right in my life, you know. Because yeah, once we lose the house and everything, I'll probably need to be a bit more dependent <laughs> on the physical tools anyway. So big uh, big plans ahead in 2024, everyone. Let's move on from that godforsaken game. We had the Chiefs take down the Bengals 25 to 17. Casey did cover as seven point favorites thanks to a hell of a lot of field goals from Harrison Bucker. The under did cash at 45 and a half, just barely on that one. So yeah, Patrick Mahomes, I thought overall he looked good out there, had two dimes deep to Rasheed Rice and Justin Watson. I thought Rice was going to run away from everyone, end up getting hawked just inside the 10 yard line, but five catches, 127 yards for Rasheed Rice, great performance. And then obviously Isaiah Pacheco, another boom in this one. I mean, my God, in the first half, like every touch he was getting, it felt like it 
Mexico was going for 15 plus yards, ended up having 130 on the ground and another 35 and a touchdown through the air. So over his last four games, now he's been the RB4, the RB8, the RB19, and the RB2. So, hey, it was a Chiefs game, so we wouldn't be able to talk about it without bringing up some of the ill-time drops from the receivers. Specifically, MBS had what really looked like was going to be a 24-yard touchdown on a drag route go right off his hands. Also had Kelsey and Justin Watson drop first down balls. I will say Mahomes overthrew MBS and want to have the potential to be a 91-yard touchdown, but I don't know, Dwayne, if it would have hit him in the hands, like what level of confidence did we actually have that he would have caught it anyway? So I don't even know about blaming Mahomes too much on that one. But the big report coming in, Dwayne, was that the Chiefs were tired of rotating too many guys. We're going to see more centralized rotation. I know we got there with Pacheco. I mean, a 92% snap rate, I believe. That is elite. What did we see from the wide receivers allegedly ahead of this game where they were going to Those reports are such crap, man. They never, (laughs) ever, ever hit. (laughs) Do not listen to those reports. I don't know where those reporters are getting this crap from, but man, every time this has happened this year, it's not worked out. Uh, Richie James had a 33% route participation in week 16 and, 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 and going into week 17 in his newfound bigger role, they're going to give him. It actually went down. He had a 27% route participation. Justin Ross got to get him on the field. Ian, big report ahead of the game. 14% 14% route participation in week 16, which stinks. It got lower. It went to 9% in this game. I think the bigger thing here is just looking at what happens with the Chiefs this offseason at running back. It'll be very interesting because we've had a few games now where they have really given Pacheco everything. Now, this game, we obviously didn't have Clyde edwards helaire either, so you can never expect a 92% snap share for any running back. So take this a little bit with a grain of salt, but the two things I'm focusing on is in the last four games he's had two where he was also the primary receiving back with route participation of 65% or higher. Mm. He's put up 26 fantasy points and 30 fantasy points in those two games, running back four and running back two in those respective weeks. So very interesting storyline to follow this offseason as to what happens with the Chiefs. Who else do they bring in to compete uh, with touches for Pacheco? On one hand, you could say it's probably going to be bad news, Ian, because I don't know that it can be worse than (laughs) Jarrett McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, on the other hand, you could look at it as a vote of confidence, depending on who they add, and we could be having arguments about, okay, like what, is, what does the next season look like for Pacheco if they truly let him play in every down roll? I don't know that we can count on that, but what we've seen here over the last several weeks, he would obviously be a very good running back one. Over in Cincinnati, Jake Browning falling back to earth a little bit over these past few weeks. Probably not a coincidence has come against some really freaking good defenses out there. So still overall guys, fifth in the NFL in yards per attempt at a minimum, Browning has made himself a hell of a lot of money here in the future and that backup QB market. So still pretty cool. That said, you know, the same kind of CJ Bethard argument, fifth lowest average target depth on the season for Browning, not exactly making a habit of forcing the ball downfield to his big body wide receiver. So T Higgins was in and out with a hamstring issue, only had two targets on the day. Jamar Chase, only seven targets in. It was frustrating Dwayne to see them not try to really just manufacture more quick hitters for Jamar Chase out there. So, you know, Chiefs fans and everyone getting, God forbid someone like Jamar Chase actually talks with a little bit of emotion in a, you know, interview and then he just gets lambasted for it for the next five days. Like, why any of these players say anything other than just like, you know, it's my job. Let's go play football. I have nothing bad to say about anyone because anytime they do say something bad, whether it's Jamar Chase or Eli Apple or anyone else, they just get absolutely rode. So Jamar Chase was right. 
the Chiefs regularly run too high stuff. They do a good job, but they don't have a Jalen Ramsey out there. So, yeah, LeJarrius Sneed is really good. If you actually think he's a one-on-one shutdown like Ramsey, though, I don't know, man. So, just annoys me. You know, the whole – we still see that stupid Panay Sewell meme like Jamar Chase didn't have one of the best rookie seasons literally ever and bring them within, you know, a couple plays of winning the Super Bowl. Oh, but he was open on the last play, Dwayne. Because Aaron Donald beat a guard. Aaron Donald beats everyone. Your freaking rookie offensive tackle wasn't going to stop Aaron Donald on that play. You act like you can just move the freaking offensive lineman around the line. So just annoys me, Dwayne. I have really nothing other to say. Joe Mixon's, <laughs> Joe Mixon's had a really good year based on usage. You know, that's kind of come to fruition. Don't blame people that kind of put their foot down and said, I don't want to draft the guy. But, yeah, Mixon's had a good year. And otherwise, you know, just looking forward to getting Joe Burrow back under center. Yeah, I think the there's a good chance that the Bengals just shut a lot of this stuff down. Yeah. And anybody that's hurt, I don't think they're going to force to play next weekend because with this loss, Ian, unfortunately, they are now officially eliminated from mm-hmm. playoff contention. So sorry, Bengals fans, but uh, you guys have a great young quarterback. You've got maybe the best young wide receiver in the NFL. So good things are still going to come for the Bengals, just not this year. Will be very interesting to see what they do at running back next year. Obviously, Mixon had to take a pay cut to even stay. Maybe they do that again. We have seen, you know, Chase Brown come on strong and flash some of that big time speed. That said, looking at the guy, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm surprised to see right now he's sitting at 215 pounds. I thought he was smaller than that. He looks smaller than that on the field. Maybe he gets to run away with the job. That'd be cool. Certainly plenty of time to figure it out. I if he can run as good as his brother on the pick six, yeah, he'll be doing great. <laughs> that was Sydney Brown for awesome, the Eagles. Man. He had a great pick six. Dude, I was like, just usually on those. He knew, dude. Did you? You saw it like he was at the other end of the field, and he knew as soon as he caught that ball, he was scoring. You could just tell by the way he's running. The way he had to weave, it was crazy. Yeah, he was weaving. He, yeah, he had his weave on. So uh, Chase Brown and Sidney Brown, both very good athletes, very explosive players. I am excited. I know they were. uh, You know, Chase Brown was not a high draft pick, but it'll be interesting to see what the the Bengals do this offseason. Mixon probably ends up moving on. Mixon's probably going to end up getting the Dalvin Cook treatment. Uh, I doubt he's really we, – yeah. we may not see Joe Mixon in another this, – this could be the end of an era. We may not see Joe Mixon in another uh, viable fantasy role ever. Uh, and we'll, we'll see – uh, I know his uh, ongoing legal stuff what, you know, didn't end up impacting 2023, but maybe just maybe similar to Alvin Kamara, we do see you know something come down in 2024. So, yeah, Chase Brown, again, gives me kind of – yeah, I'll be a little bit of a victim here to, you know, the same uniform, but I could see him carving out, you know, a Giovanni Bernard-esque role. Maybe like, you know, the Austin Eckler. Maybe- He's going to be the uh, ultimate sell-high tweet as soon as the uh, Bengals move on from mixing in yep. the offseason. <laughs> Dynasty Twitter is going to explode with sell now, round five, Chase Brown. And they're right. Most <laughs> most often, like those late ra- round draft picks don't hit, not, not necessarily just because they're not any good, but because the team's going to add something else. Like the team's probably going to spend like a second or a third round pick and then suddenly they've got to uh, legitimize that pick and get them on the field, and then that's going to be an issue for Chase Brown. But if, if by some chance Chase Brown escapes the offseason without any major competition, maybe they just add a, an old crusty veteran we don't care for, then uh, he'll definitely be a name that I'm interested in heading into 2024. Still, I believe, has the second fastest ball carrier speed per next-gen stats behind only DK Metcalf this year. So, yeah, again, certainly interested in Chase Brown. Do I think he's going to get that full-time role because of some of those factors Dwayne brought up? Probably not, but you could imagine. All right, guys, last one now. Thanks for sticking with us, as always. Sunday night football, the Packers took down the Vikings 33-10, to 10, covering as a one-point dog, the overcast here at 42.5. So, uh, 
lost my uh, 32 team league finals, Dwayne. We have oh, team. Man. It's team defense and kickers. So the Texans scored 37 points on me. So it's just going to be tough to uh, kind of go from that. Always love losing my fantasy leagues because of kickers. You know, that's just something I really, really get thrilled about. But I needed 29 points from Jaden Reed. I, I had already messaged the guy who like set up the league. I was like, this was awesome, man. Thank you. Like fun year. And then I'd given up hope, Dwayne. And then I got the hope back. And then Jaden Reed has the <laughs> chest close. injury. And it was just like, my God, you couldn't let me lose honorably. You had to give me that last little, wait, maybe you can do it. No, you're not going to do this because Jaden So Reed's you lost by only a couple of points because he got 27. Five. Oh, man. He got 27 <laughs> points. I'm not going to blame you. Were you were probably getting there if he doesn't, if he plays the second half. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, not to not to make you feel bad about well, it. Well, you know, I also didn't well, I did have Zamir White and also James Cook who got I mean you didn't start Bo the, Melton. <laughs> Zamir White and James <laughs> Cook definitely didn't both get stopped at the one yard line and also uh you know could have won me that, Dwayne. So I cannot wait to write the Sheesh report uh here after this. Just gonna have tears streaming on my laptop, <laughs> uh, you know, on that. Anyway, though, it was still a fantastic game for Jaden Reed, despite me wanting just a few more points out of him. 89 yards, two touchdowns in the first half. And man, Dwayne, the list of wide receivers with 10 plus touchdowns as a rookie since I believe the year 2000. Jamar Chase, Odo Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, Tyree Kill. Yeah, Chase Claypool. Yeah, Tampa Bay Mike Williams. But also now Jaden Reed and also shout out Calvin Ridley for that. So 800 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, we've seen a lot of this come without Christian Watson in the picture. I'd be surprised if the Packers don't try to add someone else out to position next year. Maybe not, to be fair. I mean, if they do roll into next year with Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Dontavian Wicks, Romeo Dobbs, like that's a group that I think pretty consensusly was a bottom five unit going into this year. I don't think they'd be top five next year, but I don't think we would be completely complaining about it the same way this time around because, let's face it, these guys are outplaying their draft capital, and you know we don't need to keep bitching about the Packers not using a first round pick on the wide receiver. So Jordan Love found the end zone as a rusher, really emerged as this, you know, consistent low end QB one throughout the season. Maybe Bo Melton coming off 105 yards and a touchdown is a guy as well. Fun. I think all, all things considered, Dwayne, like I would hope that Packers fans didn't envision this year, like being a legit contender. Hey, they still have a chance to make the playoffs. I think all things considered, fantastic year for the future of the Packers. I agree. Uh, and I mean, I'm looking forward you know, to the, to the game next weekend, you know, for the Packers yeah. and they're going to have a chance to get in. And I'll be honest, like as a Cowboys fan, like if it worked out where they're coming to Dallas, I, I don't necessarily want to see a team that we got some scars in that matchup, Dwayne. <laughs> yeah. They've well, they do have some scars in that matchup. I've been at one of those games, oh. uh, whenever, uh, Aaron Rodgers rolled all the way to the left and hit Jared cook, uh, oh, on that bit on that deep crossing route. And then they hit the field goal at the end of the game to beat the Cowboys. But you know, I'm not saying that that memory is like completely like just etched in my brain and that I think about it every night, but you know, with the Packers, I mean, they got a 60% chance to get in the playoffs. They've just got to win their game. So if they do, uh, it's going to be a fun young team to watch. And I am coming around on Jordan love. And I will tell you, he is one of these players that when you watched him early in the season, you saw flashes of it, but we worried about the consistency, mm -hmm. but lately in, he's been really consistent Com yeah. and completion percentage has been the big, like bugaboo for him. 
like the accuracy issues, the woes up and down. And since week 11, here are his completion rates, 68%, 69%, 69%, 64%, 64%, 61%, and in week 17, a 73%. And these are with deep average depth of targets, Ian. Like this weekend was a 10.1, and he had a 73% completion rate, yards per attempt, 7.4 over that stretch. So like, like he's playing a lot better. He, again, always flash and you would see cool things on film, but then you'd go look at the numbers. You're like, man, it's just all over the place. He's been a pretty consistent player. And obviously he's been giving you fantasy points over that stretch. I just gave you averaging 21.6 fantasy points per game. So a guy that you've been pretty much happy to have in your lineup in most weeks, he's only had one dud in there. And that was week 14. He had 12 fantasy points, QB 21. But other than that, like he's been top 12 every week, except weeks, week 15 when he was QB 13, but he still gave you 19 fantasy points that game. So I do think Jordan Love is just locked into that low end QB one conversation and very interested to see what else they do this off season. I, I think they could not do anything and I would feel pretty good about him because of all the young players they have. But if they had another high end target, um, it'll be interesting to, to, to debate where are we going to have Jordan Love going into next year. Speaking of that kind of second half turnaround from Love, I mean, he only averaged seven yards per attempt in one of his first seven games. He's cleared that in eight of his last nine. So, yeah, you know, still had one stinker thrown in there. But even though, you know, quote unquote, bad Jordan Love games recently, still looking like a very good NFL quarterback. And we got the rushing upside, Dwayne. I mean, you know, 15.5 rushing yards per game, four rushing touchdowns. That's like Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence level. We're not talking about Josh Allen or anything, but that is the kind of rushing floor we want that helps us prioritize him over the Kirk Cousins, the Jared Goffs of the world. Not that they can't, you know, still make their way, obviously, into the fantasy goodness with the passing, but we'll take all the production we can get. Over in Minnesota, Jaron Hall pretty quickly got benched for Nick Mullins. Jesus. Yeah, it wasn't a good uh, performance there. Justin Jefferson, just five catches for 59 scoreless yards. Just goes to show you how a bad QB situation can turn even the league's very best wide receivers into a not-so-good fantasy asset. In a matchup, too, against a Jair Alexander, less Packers secondary that just been getting roasted. Yeah, sometimes these matchups, guys, don't exactly do everything we thought they were going to. So I think the bigger story Dwayne is that really isn't as much of a stranglehold on this backfield for Ty Chandler. At least that's what the final numbers look right look like. I mean, man, to see him not even getting the pass down snaps, that's the part that really surprised me. Well, he gave away the pass down snaps the week before. So that had already kind of gone away for him. Uh, but still at 71% of the rushing attempts. So I think he's the lead early down back, gonna share some time on the passing downs, like you mentioned. Saw Alexander Madison have 73% of the two-minute offense and 55% of the long down and distance work. So still Chandler's the primary guy, but if you get in a bad game script, trailing like what we saw last night, that can create challenges because 71% of the rushing attempts, that sounds really good. And then when you click over on the utilization <laughs> report, which you can find over on fantasylife.com for free, guys, just click on the utilization suite of tools. You drop down to game log and there's a toggle button where you can go for, from percentages to the actual numbers. And even though he had 71% of the rushing attempts, well, that totaled to only 10 because they were getting their ass kicked the entire game. <laughs> and that's what happened. So I still feel fine, you know, about Chandler for this, for this final weekend of the season, but uh, have no clue really, Ian, what the how, how the Vikings are going to treat this because they're pretty much eliminated. Yeah. Like they have a three percent chance of getting in the playoffs, and they need like all sorts of wacky scenarios to play out in their favor. Um, so, so we'll see. Technically, they still have a chance, so maybe they play all their guys. But I think they're also in a spot where it wouldn't surprise me if uh, you know they take it easy on some on some guys like Justin Jefferson. 
their opponent, the Detroit Lions. We did get some notes here recently. Head coach Dan Campbell said that the plan is to play his starters against the Vikings. Of course. He is. Dan yeah. Campbell. What did we expect? Also, Sam Laporta dealing with a leg injury, but is considered day-to-day. Also, Jamison Williams considered day-to-day with that ankle injury he suffered on that really nice long catch. Jamo has been flashing a little bit over these past four, five games, Dwayne. Again, we've seen the, you know, getting downfield and they'll give him a couple of reverses here. And yeah, he's got long speed, but some of the short area moves he made really excited to go back you know one of these dog days here soon and just watch all these plays he's been making because there have been quite a few but with that guys we have wrapped it all up week 17 is done and probably most of your fantasy seasons that said if you are a monster that does you know have your fantasy championship being decided in week 18 don't worry because we still will have you covered over at fantasylife.com with rankings and plenty of content along the way so obviously dialing things a little bit back here for the playoffs but still plenty of goodness from df to bets and all that you will still find plenty of free and awesome content over at fantasylife.com with our newsletter with our podcast with all of that goodness so Dwayne, man happy new year let's go watch some college football i got bama killing michigan because i'm just a sad bitter ohio state fan and i do think texas takes down washington because washington's quarterback is like 24 and his last name is penis who you got <laughs> i have the same picks as you uh, i don't i i, I I'm kind of surprised that it's only Michigan minus one and a half. I, I thought this would end up being a bigger line too. Like I, I think Alabama crushes in that one. Um, now I'll be honest. I have not watched near as much of Michigan. Like Alabama's pretty much like on a Saturday, like it's on at some point, mm-hmm. you know, for me. Cause it's, you know, it's on primetime TV. Michigan gets a lot of that as well, but Alabama gets more of the, the night games that I happen to have on when I'm hanging out doing stuff at the house. So maybe it's just bias because I've watched uh, Alabama more than Michigan. I, I see like Georgia fans are like, yeah, let's go Bama. I can't even imagine just having one iota of me pulling for this Michigan team. I hope that they have negative 50 yards. I'm not going to wish injuries on anyone, but if there was a team, okay, I got to get off this podcast already here, Dwayne. We've <laughs> gone too far into it. But again, thank you everyone for tuning in throughout the season. Really hope you got those fancy championships. But guess what? If not, let's start building for 2024, baby. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.